We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Roto Grinders NFL Pick Six Show, week number 16, sweet 16, coming down the final stretch. As usual, two of the absolute best analysts in the business. You got Rich Rebar, Sharp Football Analysis, John Dago, 444. Uh, we have a very festive, a very festive and very fired up Rich Rebar. Uh, Rich, if you guys are watching <laughs> the video, you see Rich is uh, in the, uh, the, the holiday spirit. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to those out there. Uh, I know it's a little bit early, but we're not going to. You know, this is our last chance to get you before, uh, you know, next week and Christmas will have happened. And hopefully it's a lovely one for everybody out there. But, uh, yeah, little pre-show uh, disagreement, Rich. Uh, we are fired up. But normally, we, we John, J- John, it's his job. He he gets the three games, three main games he focus on every single week. And sometimes that's easy. And sometimes that's hard. And sometimes that's impossible. And it's kind of impossible on this nine-game slate, a nine-game <laughs> main slate. Uh, obviously, two games on Saturday, three games on Monday. Uh, a nine gamer, so it's kind of a small slate, but uh, you know, Rich used uh, some executive power. You overrode one of his games, and we'll talk about it. But uh, maybe we want to keep that organic. But yeah, it's funny. amazing uh, the uh, the names that we're kicking out and the names we're fighting about uh, the quarterback <laughs> names in week uh, week sixteen. I, but, I uh, can't believe Dangle didn't just try to pin like a Christmas Day top. Like, let's just talk about the Christmas Day games. I was uh, waiting for it. I was waiting for that. Like, are we are we going to talk about Christmas? Are we gonna, are we going to talk about the two gamer on Saturday? But We'll talk about movies. We'll do that later on in the show, I guess. They're going to save some time for that. Jump in there, John. It's just a complicated week for us and everyone involved. Who's going to be watching the Christmas games? Although I will peel away for 49ers Ravens. At least I'll try to for sure. But before that, there's still a lot of injuries to navigate for everyone. I know a lot of people are in their redraft playoffs and you're literally just taking this thing day by day because there's a lot of moving pieces on every day. The Saturday two-game slate is awful. Uh, I assume everyone's just going to have five Bills players on on both sides. Then you get to the three-gamer, and yeah, there's just a lot of moving pieces here. So I'm not going to make anyone talk about the Christmas slate, although to be fair, yes, I could not pick a third game because, man, the nine-gamer. Let's start with that. It's nine games. Uh, Also, lots of weather, low totals. Rashad White is the most expensive running back on DraftKings in particular at 7,400. I think that tells you everything you need to know about this slate. 
Uh, Tyreek Hill will probably come back, but he's also DMP on Wednesday. So lots of things here. Yeah, uh, nine-game main slate. The NFL encroaching on the, the NBA's turf on Christmas Day. That, that's kind of the NBA's I mean, game. on everyone's turf, dude. There are, starting tomorrow, there are games. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, next Thursday again. Like, this is, a, like, the NFL has just declared war on content creators. And honestly, everybody, because people, so many people watch the NFL, uh, they just infringed on the holiday. And you know what? They're going to win. <laughs> Spoiler alert. They're going to win. Yeah, dude, you know, how many people watched the, the the Raiders last week and like I you know score sixty three points on the Chargers and like just loved it, just loved every second of it. Fired everybody as far as the Chargers. Uh, yeah, that should. Saturday. Yeah, what a, what a disaster. And Trey Trey Turner score touchdowns or Trey you know, it's like cares? Who cares? Go do something. Do something else. Chargers most disappointing team in the season is that is that is that fair to say who am I missing is it Chargers are they number one obviously some injuries and pretty, oh, they're, they're pretty high. high yeah I'm trying That's to think who else that, again like the Chargers the Chargers being the most disappointing like this is Lucy and the football stuff like how long <laughs> how long can we be disappointed in the Chargers like how how many times it's our fault. Yeah, I mean, it, what what is it they say? Uh, the definition of insanity is like you know expecting different results. So, you know, the, doing the same thing over over and over, and expecting different results. That is the Chargers. You expect them to be in a three point game with two minutes to go and find a new, uh, fascinating way to blow it. And that's just except this time they lost by forty or they were down by forty at the half. What was that halftime speech? Aiden like? no, O'Connell had four touchdowns the entire season before Thursday night. When they when they were up by 42, they were just toying with their food inside the 10-yard line. We got some <laughs> end arounds to Brandon Bolden. We got the Jacoby Myers touchdown throw to Devontae Adams. Like they were just dunking on him. But to be fair, Antonio Pierce is playing for a job. So he he yeah. did his part. He went out there and took care of business. I had an alt over on that game at like 40 or 40 and a half. And it hit like it was like a two to one and it hit in the first half. Like that was yeah. that was beautiful. Did not have to watch a second of that game. I was spared. Um, all right. Yeah, the main thing. Oh, I do want to mention the Listener League. Let's shout out last week's winner mm-hmm. for the Listener League. Uh, uh, geez, I don't want to pronounce this. D-U-I-T-E-Z-76. Uh, do it. Do it. 76. You won yourself a month free of Roto-Grinders Premium. That's not just football. It's all the sports. Everything you can think of with the exception of NASCAR. But I believe NASCAR is out of season. Uh, access to our lineup HQ, the projections, all the good stuff, all the bells, all the whistles. Uh, let us know um, in the YouTube comment section. Let us know on Twitter at Rotorunners at me, DFS underscore Almanac. We want to juice you up. And we also want you to participate in the contest this week. So we're going to go ahead and drop that link in the chat. We'll, we'll have it uh, pinned in the comment section uh, as well on the YouTube. Five bucks to jump in there. We all participate. And whoever finishes highest amongst us uh, that participates in the show that's on the show, including producers, uh, they get to assign a movie. I don't know why I'm explaining all this. It's week 16. The people either know this, they don't know this at this point, but we will discuss the movies later on. And it's double feature this week. And I believe uh, by default, I was the best uh, highest score last week. So I have a movie. Is that correct? I'm I'm uh, I'm up. To I know I did not start off well in the first slate and then late swapped and ended up even worse because obviously I had to swap off Rams and Kyron Williams included to try to move the needle. So it was not me. I know that much. I yeah, would have won, uh, but I did not cheat like Daigle. <laughs> would you have really won? Because you could yeah. then win. I showed my lineup the week. No, nope. well, you should have said something. No, I, well, no, there are rules. There, this is this is nom. 
There are no we live in a society. <laughs> Over the line. <laughs> I got your Lebowski. All right. Uh, let's let's knock it out game by game. The very but I snatched last week, by the way. I had an incredible week. What did you have Cook? I had him and like I other stuff. I actually did it. You know, obviously I played Cook a week too early. I thought I I thought I actually made out with the best Cook version I could, and it turns out there was a better version still the next week. But I my my thesis was with Hyla on Friday was to just find a way to get Kyron and CMC together. And so oh yeah, sure. Just figure it out. Good thesis. <laughs> who was the who was the cheap player you went down for? Antonio Gibson. Okay. And he didn't yeah. even do anything. Nope. Did it matter? But it doesn't Three matter. Man backfield there. Construct no, because, the yeah. yeah. And and I had a obviously I smashed Jalen Waddle on Sunday morning. I was waiting for that news the whole week, but and not enough people got that there was because that was the one, yeah. That was, it was the eleventh hour. Because it was like the eleventh hour, people didn't get there, and then people were like jets, then whatever. What about sauce? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't get to enough Waddle either, but that was a, a sharp move for sure. The first game, first game we're going to talk about, you mentioned weather. Uh, this one's at a dome, so that's helpful. This time of year, 46 and a half is a total Detroit at Minnesota. Detroit is a three-point favorite. John, I'll let you choose wherever you want to choose. We're assuming Mullins will be back. Chandler looked spectacular last week. My best ball teams want to know where he's been all season long. Uh, we're not sure about Madison, save but does that now. even matter? Just does it even matter for uh yeah well you know what my team's lost so oh, not, the, not the ones that are still playing <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> uh i didn't i think i 176 and i didn't move on and i'm sure like other people had higher scores but like i guess that's a that's how random this works i suppose but hey nobody cares about my best ball this team. is so why you don't check teams. Teams. you would have never had any heartbreak if you didn't know what was going on you're 100% right. You're much that's the sharp move. You're definitely I listened today on our our chat today and my my colleague Ray Summerlin was talking about his bad best ball beat and I said, imagine if you just there's nothing you could do about it. Imagine if you didn't yeah. know. Just walk away. No, nothing's going to change. Uh that make, that's that's the sharp move for sure. Ostrich theory, baby. Can't kill John, uh, <laughs> you. Ain't looking at it. <laughs> where do you want to start first there, Dangle, as far as Minnesota and Detroit? We'll start with the Viking side because I will concede our pre-show argument to Rich about the third game because if I'm going to try and sell you on Nick Mullins, then sure, let's get C.J. Beathard, let's get Baker Mayfield, let's get all <laughs> the guys in here in a nine-game slate given that we're probably spending down at quarterback this week unless you want to get to either Tua or Dak on the slate as a whole. But Mullins at least showed some rushing upside, and that's kind of how quarterbacks have been getting there the past couple of games between Justin Fields, Russell Wilson even scored just over 17 fantasy points, but had the rushing score as well against Detroit as Jared Goff and Sam Laporta, really more than anything, just dunked on them on Saturday night. But the Vikings did scale their offense back as a whole. They weren't the same pass-happy unit against the Bengals as they were under Josh Dobbs and Kirk Cousins, only 19th pass play rate from neutral game script in that one. But overall, still, for Moles to get over 300 yards and add that rushing floor, it is exciting against this Lions defense that when they've been asked, like the Jordan Love slate against Thanksgiving, to step up against talented offenses, they have failed to do so. And not only with the rushing floor, but also for all the talent now, around Mullins in this game indoors. I do think it's a pretty good spot for him if you want to pay down at quarterback. Justin Jefferson popped back up last week, although he wasn't the one to score two touchdowns. He still commanded the targets with a 31% target share. Jordan Addison was at 18% and did get away with his touchdown catches, but he's also good at football. So it's not too shocking to see it, although it was on a significantly lower target share. TJ Hawkinson's the really the one 
that's confusing because remember a couple weeks ago, whenever Mullins came off the bench, he peppered Hawkinson with targets, but that was also when Jefferson had exited the field already with his injury. And then he returns and it's Jefferson, the one who's really getting hammered here. So Mullins, Justin Jefferson are my not surprising favorite ways to play this game. But honestly, if you want to get to Ty Chandler too, especially if Alexander and Madison's out, that's fine. Although he's going to be the cash game option for sure, especially since everyone else is trying to jam in Rashad White at 7,400 as like the number one back in this game. What side of this game you find more appealing here, Rich? Minnesota or Detroit? I want the Lions. I mean, they've been the better offense the entire year, right? Like, you know, they, they've got some reliable pieces that we can count on. I mean, it's it's a one, you know, Nick Mullins. Like, if Nick Mullins was bad this week, I don't think any of us would bat an eye, right? Like, and I, I agree <laughs> no. with everything Daniel said, but, like, if Nick Mullins was a pumpkin, we'd all just be like, oh, yeah, that was Nick Mullins. Sure. And we'd move on. We'd move on with our lives. He uh, is who we thought he was. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you're getting a cheap pay down quarterback, uh, you know, inside against a team that can score points. Like, that all stands. I mean, listen, this is where the meta's been the last – what month of the fantasy football season and DFS season. I mean, we've had, we've literally talked about the last three weeks we've come on the show, uh, you know, the what minimal pay up options there have been at quarterback uh, on these main slates. And we have another one this week. So I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum when that's been the kind of the, what you play in, in fantasy football. Well, Dean, imagine if I walked back to you on September 1st and I came yeah. to you, Dean and I said in week 15 of the NFL season, there will be five quarterbacks that will throw over 300 yards. Now, I'll just run down the list of, of yard. The quarterbacks are going to throw for the most yardage in week 15, Dean. And I yeah. came to you and I said, Baker Mayfield. You say, ha. Then I say, Joe Flacco. And you say, what team? He Joe still Flacco plays has? football? <laughs> Jake Browning. You know, then Pat, Patrick Mahomes, he threw for 305. And then Nick Mullins threw for 300 yards. We have five quarterbacks over 300 yards. Those are the guys. And like, you know, so like that's where we live in the world right now. And as we live in this on this slate where we will get talked about Dak and Tua, but it's the same meta construct that we've had the last month. Like there probably is a, a guy or two extra here because we do have like a Justin Fields in a good spot. But I mean, paying down a quarterback has been the way to build around these slates. So uh, who, who am I to say you can't play Nick Mullins? It's also hard to spend up a quarterback because a lot of the good quarterbacks are not even on this slate this nine gamer. So you know, what is the best potential option, even if we wanted to spend up, right? As far as quarterback, there's not a ton there. There are some guys, but, you know, uh, we're without a lot of the premier guys. I guess the one that's projecting the highest is, according to our, our RG projections on a Wednesday night, is Justin Fields, uh, then Dak, then Tua, and then Kyler Murray. That's just like raw points. That's not right. no point per dollar. That's not as far as like what's hitting optimals. But to your point, uh, I'm always running my optimals on a Wednesday night. And, well, I guess we'll talk about, uh, you know, uh, John didn't even want to even acknowledge the existence of this quarterback. And this quarterback is actually the most popular one hitting the optimals. And we'll talk about that game in a second. Uh, Fields was second. And by God, that's Ryan Tannehill's music. We think Ryan Tannehill is going to play this week. He's the third most popular uh, quarterback hitting my optimals. Bones, for what it's worth, fifth. Uh, and like the John's point as far as Chandler, Chandler, the second most popular running back, uh, basically neck and neck uh, and neck. Uh, it's a three-way tie. Chandler, Singletary, and Kareem Hunt. Get excited about week 16. Yeah, Chandler's sure. definitely bad chalk for sure this week. Last week Why? was the last week was the move. I mean, the Lions are awesome against the run. They've been awesome the entire year. They're third in the NFL in 
uh, yards per carry allowed the running backs. They're seventh in rushing points allowed per game. They're seventh in receiving points allowed per game. And that last week was literally the first game all season. The Vikings successfully ran the football in a game where DJ reader literally got hurt the first play of the game. So, I mean, if any, if we're going to chase last week's results, I mean, I'm definitely off of Ty Chandler for sure. Would he be a, a three down back? Uh, is, are, are we sure of it? As far as the role, you don't even care. If he's yeah. like oh, be if Madison plays? Well, we don't know. Yeah, if in either way, like, you have both scenarios. Would Madison be the third down guy? Possibly. Maybe. No, I mean, I think if Madison plays, Chandler showed enough to where it's just it was already a, kind of a muddy situation. Like it was t- trending towards that anyways. It was already a gross situation. He already played better than uh, any game Madison's had. Actually, he had more yeah. yards than Madison's had. And, then he, so I, and they're not going to put him back in the bottle. <laughs> so then it just becomes like yeah. kind of like a weird timeshare or they just let Chandler have this opportunity, even though they did invest in Madison this offseason really weirdly. But I, I'm just I'm not into it. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a tremendous spot for Chandler. If he's gonna be the most po- one of the more popular running backs on the slate, I think he's he's probably becomes an easy fade, kind of under the same premise as Ezekiel Elliott last week was. Yeah, I'm just looking at the other uh, options like Miles Gaskin, CJ Ham. Oh Kenny, man, I got I got the Wong Wu. I don't know who that. Oh, is. you're talking about on their team, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm, yeah, as far as like uh, if he's gonna be on the field for every down, like opportunity matters. But like you said, it's an interesting. Uh, just the spot is bad there against the Depends on his ownership because, yes, it's a bad right, micro right. matchup. Uh, and yeah. I would imagine the field comes in. So his ownership is going to be extremely high, especially for his salary. Because right now we don't have, although I don't think it's a bad running back slate, we don't have too many cheap options. We'll talk about I a mean, couple There's a the dude end. at his exact same price point I would wholeheartedly rather play this week. I think I know who you're going to. We'll talk about it at the end. But... Yes, uh, at least we know Ty Chandler. Again, not that I would play him, but Ty Chandler will be an every down back to your point, Dean, because so far since Alexander Madison left the field, assuming Madison's out, uh, Chandler has handled 32 of 35 running back carries and 37 to 40 running back touches. The others guys, Miles Gaskin, Kanae and Wangwu, like they don't even matter. So Madison's out. It is going to be an every touch back. But again, you're probably going to have to play him into 40% ownership, honestly. John, what about uh, Gibbs and Montgomery? Gibbs has been on fire of late. Amon Ra, obviously, every single week, he's somebody that's worth looking at. Laporta, one of the best tight ends in the business as well. Uh, do you have a take as far as the running backs for Detroit against Minnesota? I believe Rich touched on this matchup when we were talking about Lions-Broncos or the Vikings-Bengals last week as we are all trying to get off Joe Mixon and fade him in a three-game slate and he didn't win the slate. He still scored that touchdown, but overall handled a season low share of backfield touches. Fortunately, we don't have to get there in a two-game slate on Saturday this week either. But it's the same kind of matchup because no running back has reached 70 yards against the Vikings since DeAndre Swift ran against the Blitz on them in week two. Even Mixon's rushing touchdown was the first Minnesota allowed since week nine. But in this time, the last couple of weeks, uh, backfields are averaging eight catches per game against them over the last month. And both Montgomery and Gibbs averaged six yards per carry in an equally tough spot against the Bears a couple weeks ago. So I honestly think the the foundation, the construct of the Lions running game, it's still its still a situation where they can get there. At the same time, though, if you tell me to pick one, it's got to be Gibbs given the passing production the Vikings have allowed and just that he's been so explosive on his touches. Even last week, still only 13 to Montgomery's 19, and maybe Montgomery falls forward for a touchdown inside the five-yard line. But we're also seeing them give Gibbs more equity in the passing game inside that red zone territory much more often as we move along through the slate. So for me, it'd be Gibbs in this game. Anything you want to add there, Rich, as far as uh, the running back situation? Anything else as far as Detroit in general, or shall we move on? 
No, no, that all sounds good. I literally have bet Jameer Gibbs longest rush over six weeks in a row. Oh, I had it last week. It's cashed every week. What's the number? (laughs) It's been always like 12 and a half, 13 and a half every week. But he literally just gets, he just rips off a 20 yard run every game. Even last week, it got to 14 and a half and it doesn't even matter. It was like, yeah, he gets there every week. It's we've, now we've a been betting getting, show. We, we gotta, we've, we gotta put that. We've been on giving our, it out at the, a betting the show. Not to give you the, uh, the, the, the behind the scenes peek here, but we've been giving it out literally six weeks in a row. We, we've betted. It's kind of like the new Nick Chubb bet uh, is over. But I, I agree, Dago. Because you look at the Vikings, even well, one I agree that one the the Lions have run on basically everybody. They've been in a couple spots, like both games against the Bears. They were both backs were successful. So I think the Lions' running game, just from a top down, is a successful running game, and they'll find some success on anybody. Uh, and then when you look at the matchup, even if it were to kind of uh, rear its head here, Gibbs is the receiving back. He's run 136 pass routes to and 27 targets. Montgomery's run 63 pass routes to 11 targets since the two have played together since Monty came back in week 10. And you look at the Vikings, they're 20th in receiving points slot per game running back. So that would be an edge, even if the matchup kind of rears its head here. But I do think the Lions are just good enough to where like these backs have been good against everybody. So you can still attack the, this backfield still. All right, let's move on to game number two uh, that was late swapped in. The Jags at Tampa. Tampa's minus one and a half. 43 and a half is the total. We're expecting Lawrence not to go. Uh, Rich, you wanted the late swap here. You want to talk about former uh, 49ers system quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, Daigle replied and said, "I what if C.J. Beathard plays? Mr. John Daigle, who's, who's come on the show multiple times this year, has used this platform to talk about how you can play anyone against the Buccaneers. Literally it's anyone. True. He's he's, he's promoted Desmond Ritter. Uh, you know, it's on we got there. Side, you know, you're talking about all these guys. You know, we, he did the same spiel last week, right? But now that Casey Jarrett Beathard's playing or could be playing, he's out. He's just out. He's out on this all together. This is the the battle of Florida. You know, the, the Florida cities that aren't as cool as Miami. This is what yeah. the, we got. Mons Venus versus Wild Bills. Uh, <laughs> you know, Duval, Tampa. Like we've got this. This game is at all. It's dirty. It's got dirty quarterbacks. It's got a bunch of teams that can't defend the pass. Uh, the Jaguars can't run at all right now. They got a condensed target tree because they had another wide receiver go out. I mean, this is this game is literally the kind of like tournament funnel you look for. I'm in. Done. <laughs> you sold me. I'm in. All he had to do was correct me or remind me that I've been on this show talking about Tommy DeVito before. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> Give it again, given the overall top-down view of DFS in 2023, you're absolutely right. I, it should have been higher on my radar. I was going to talk about Baker Mayfield in positional plays anyhow, but sure, let's just go. And if you make forward. Casey Jarrett, you can make the argument to just play the, the Baker side. Sure. Uh, I think last week Jordan Love spoiled it for me since Love has now kind of become a pumpkin and his back-to-back games since he had that easier stretch of the month where he looked like an MVP candidate. But yeah, sure. And to your point, the condensed target tree is what I'm interested in now because uh, if Beathard plays, we saw when he came off the bench a few weeks ago, he targeted Evan Ingram on four of his 10 passes. When last week, whenever Zay Jones, who didn't practice on Wednesday, will We'll eventually all find out his timeline together on Friday, whether a play or not. But when he left the field, Calvin Ridley was targeted on 45% of Lawrence's uh, targets from that point on, because logically 
they just don't have anyone else they can pass the ball to. Like maybe Parker Washington, uh, Jamal Agnew, who wasn't even a full-time player last week, only ran eight routes pop up here, but really it would go to Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram, and that's about it. And Travis Etienne, like you said, continues being a player we don't have to be high on because the explosiveness is just all gone. Uh, maybe it's the offensive line who's completely injured. Maybe it's him since we've now gone basically the last eight games without him scaring us in DFS. He does fall forward for touchdowns because of the touches overall, but sure, I could get to Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram in this slate. Some cheap pairings. Uh, Parker Washington is 3-8, Agnew 3-4. Like you said, uh, you know the floor could be pretty rough. Agnew did catch that big touchdown pass last week, but probably kind of fluky. Um He's hey, also uh, kind of he's kind of in the dork zone. Like, you know, if you look at Agnew when he's gotten like snaps, he's been productive, but yeah. will he get the snaps? Who could explain uh Chris Godwin last week? Was that an anomaly? Is he like gonna be this guy going forward? I'll tell you uh, what, if you made the playoffs with Chris Godwin and T. Higgins, you know, bless your part and say that they, they, they wait the say they waited, they waited till you got there. <laughs> and even, though even did, Dan, did you start them last week too? That's the question. So yeah, explain who who wants to tackle that? The Tampa situation. I mean, he, Normally, I mean to like, be fair, to yeah. be fair to Godwin, who was kind of relatively unproductive. It was his first top 30 scoring week since week eight. He still only has one touchdown this year, too, by the way. Uh, I mean, he, his targets like haven't really wavered like his and his target share. It's just that Baker was good enough to support one guy. And, you know, when Baker throws for 381, you could support more than one guy. Um, Yeah, John, your thoughts. We can get more 380 the... Baker games. This could be a 380 Baker game. Uh, Did Baker earn himself like a contract or a couple years or just, you know, I was thinking about it? this. I was wondering, you know, I, I, cause I had always earlier in the season, I compared Sam Howell to like having the Ryan Fitzpatrick gene, but is, has, has it been underneath our nose the entire time that actually Baker is the new Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like this dude, might, he's going to he play in the next 10 years. Yeah. He's going to play for 15 years for 12 teams. Like just pop up half, half. Spot. Yeah. He's, He's dragging Tampa most likely to the playoffs. Their schedule run out is, is great. They get to host the Saints next week and then play Carolina to close the year. And right now, the New York Times has given them 80% odds. So terrific spot. Comeback player of the year. I know DeMar Hamlin's a heavy favorite, but it's kind of wide open, honestly. If Baker drags the corpse of the Bucks to the playoffs, why the hell not? Throw him in the conversation too. So sure, it's all live here. But in terms of Evans or Godwin, yes, Godwin does have only the one touchdown on the year. I still think it's a favorable spot for Godwin's. Probably both can get there since Evans is just commanding everything. But Jags run the fourth highest rate of zone coverage, and Godwin is tied with Evans on being targeted on 25% of their routes against zone, whereas against man schemes all year, Evans has lapped Godwin 37% to 23%. Not only that, but... The last two games, too, the target share has picked up for Godwin. 41% of the Bucks' targets to Evans, 21%. So I think it's a slate where I'd be more than happy, whether I play Baker or not, to get back on Godwin. We're going to get some terrible playoff games, aren't we? Like opening, yes. opening week. <laughs> I'm looking but at, luck. I pulled up the uh, the New York Times. Uh, like you said, 78% chance for the Bucks to make the playoffs. Uh, Seahawks, 53%. Vikings, 51 Browns, 92 um, the Jags fit 74%, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a, there's not a lot of good teams is the bottom line. The saving, the saving grace is that some of these last seeds that are getting in, uh, the Bengals, perhaps we bucks bills, uh, bills, they have bad. Well, the bills have, they have bad defenses 
And so it's we could get some high scoring games lines as well, at least for the Bills, for a couple other seeds. Like they also have just fun offenses too. So maybe maybe we get some pushback here. I think that's going to what's what's going to help us wild card weekend, as long as we don't have like the Falcons and Saints getting in. Uh, who's going to be quarterbacking the Falcons? Yeah, we need the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks have to be the NFC yeah. South winner. We need the yes. Bucks and Rams. I'm good. Well, with Rams that. are getting in, baby. They are getting in. <laughs> And oh, they're yeah. Rams, Rams are getting 48%. They're gonna, they're gonna mess around and find out. By the way, uh, Bathard, as I kind of hinted at, 36% of the uh Wednesday night DK optimal. So he's the most popular quarterback uh at 5-1 on DK. Fields is second. Uh, and some of his uh pairings are you know in there are hitting it as well. So I guess yeah, if Bethard's gonna be kind of chalky, and like obviously ownership's gonna condense a little bit with just nine games as opposed to 10 or 11 or 12. Uh, I don't know how I feel about Chalky Beathard, but, you know, he does open stuff up for you. And it seems like a fun game environment, if nothing else. This Jags, this, I mean, both these pass defenses have been awful. Like, literally yes. both of them. And and the, the Jaguars can't run the football either. So, like I said, it makes it kind of fun. And the cool thing is the Jaguars stopped the run, but where they're terrible is against running backs. Actually, they've allowed the highest percentage of receptions go to running backs. So, like, even if White doesn't have, like, kind of the run out, because, like, the last month he's actually given us rushing production, and we didn't have that all year until the last month. He's just going to – he probably is going to catch a bunch of passes, so it won't matter. Do we like the over in this game, 43 and a half? Oh, yeah. That's what we I'm hearing. Over in this game. 40, 43 and a half is far too low for these two teams. Just, dude, the, both these quarterbacks could throw two interceptions. They could, this game could have four interceptions and six passing touchdowns. Like, this is a gambling. Why didn't we leave with that? Just bet the over. That's very important. Yeah. You gotta tell the people. Baker, because everyone's cheap in this game. I mean, like, no one, who yeah. the hell wants to click the button on Calvin Ridley right now? Right. Who is, who, who in their right mind, especially with, if Trevor Lawrence is out? You can also get creative. You can do. Lawrence, if Lawrence plays, he's still an awesome play as oh, well. God, yeah. well you're Lawrence getting, plays and everyone's going to get here. Yeah, because uh, you're going to get the rushing floor too. But you could do Lawrence or Bethard plus Ridley and Ingram or Ridley and Agnew because this, the slate actually is lacking cheap receivers. There are a couple here and there. We, we didn't even talk about Jameson Williams actually, who is important yeah. to this slate because like you need receivers under 4K on DraftKings, around 5K on FanDuel. And he's one of the guys who... Maybe it was because of Josh Reynolds' back injury last week, but he ran more routes than Josh Reynolds for the first time all year. And because of that, earned a season-high 21% target share. And they were not just run deep and get targets. Like, they were scheming up plays just for him. So he's interesting, if only because we're lacking values here. And that includes, like I said, Jamal Agnew, who's going to get to Baker, Rashad White, and Chris Godwin. If you want to throw in Evans, that's fine too. So you could do a lot of things with this game. That's yeah. what makes it so I would fun. Rather just, I think Parker Washington would be the dude. I would rather play yeah. Ingram and Ridley. But if you have to pay for like a $3,800 dude, I would get the Parker Washington before sure. I got the Agnew. But doesn't Jameis kind of feel like the alpha play? He's the same price, right? Well, Jameis, is, uh, Jameis Williams is 3.7. Washington is 3.8. Am I crazy to say like Jameis probably has a higher ceiling, a little bit more explosive? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just sort of thinking like if I'm shooting for ceiling. Especially uh, if he's – I mean, if he's going to be running 70-plus percent of routes again, he's the kind of guy you take a chance on getting that kind of target share. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I like that, Colin. I'm glad you, you circled back to seven targets last week. And they, they do manufacture stuff for him. And I would, too. When you see – when the ball's in his hands, it looks like 
he looks pretty dangerous for sure. I mean, he just uh, he hadn't played like all last year, all this year. The dude just hadn't played football at all. Like, it, it was always going to take some time to knock the rust off, and maybe he's still knocking the rust off. I don't know, but at least we saw like the first flash that he's going to be involved. Yeah, and he was in the picking zone, right? Like uh, he was the guy that Dan Campbell had specifically called out last year and this year about kind of work ethic. And, mm-hmm. you know, you go back to that Chargers game, like who's the dude blocking downfield on the Montgomery long touchdown run, right? Like, you know, he, he, he put the work in, you know, he put the work in that Dan Campbell asked him to do, unlike George Pickens, who just <laughs> checked out, baby. He, George Pickens is done with this year. He literally decided, uh, what was his, decided, he said, I don't, want, I don't want to have like Tank Bell. Is that what, and that what yes. he said? Like, yeah, he that, that was Tank his excuse. Bell's injury. Yeah, not so. good. Not good. Um, but I mean, Jameson Williams and football. Drew Locke. Jameson Williams and Drew Locke, the best blocks of week 15. The Drew, uh, that was an awesome interview. I don't know if you guys yeah. caught the post-game interview. That yeah. was spectacular. I felt, it felt really good for him. And like sort of the kinship that him and Gino have, it's pretty, yeah, pretty cool. It was, it was, sports are fun. That was, that was the glimpse into a back, probably every backup quarterback's mind, especially someone like Locke who, who did play himself at the starter, but he was a starter and then literally didn't touch the field for years and years. And of course, you just lose the confidence. You have no idea if you can play. You're doubting yourself. And uh, to be backed up by Gino and the rest of the team to give DK chances down the stretch after James Bradbury was shutting him down all game long. Like even like it took an amazing catch by JSN to get there too, but someone had to deliver it. Someone had to see the play and throw it to the back pile on perfectly. And that was awesome. That was truly yeah. incredible. Dude, I mean, two weeks ago, the Flacco, you saw Flacco's interview after they beat the Jaguars. And like, he truly like realized like he was on like a, like a borrowed time. Like he didn't, he like came back yeah. for like something he didn't think was going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to see. I mean, we are in like the midst, like this is backup quarterback season right now. Yep. Yeah. I mean, a, well, a former backup quarterback's into an MVP, right? I think that's uh, that's going to be happening <laughs> in, in San Francisco, but all right. Also, Purdy uh, should be allowed to win comeback player of the year too, by the way, uh, since he was, he actually had a UCL injury and was injured. <laughs> if, if Tua, who I think is like second or third nods gets it, then I agree. Yes. Yeah. Listen, uh, Baker, definitely. Baker, people want Baker when he just came back from sucking. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, like, the way they interpret some of these some of these awards is so silly. It's a whole that's the one though that should go away. That's the worst one every year. They're all bad. They're the all bad. Alex, Alex Smith averaged like three and a half yards per attempt, and he won comeback player of the year because he made it back. And I, who's like I'm not even arguing against it. Sure, he came back from the most mangled injury we've all seen in our lifetime. But still, we gotta just remove the award, honestly. But isn't isn't Hamlin the guy that's gonna get it? Like, and he's not even like playing really i don't think he's playing much isn't he i thought he was like a heavy favorite to win uh he oh, is, the he's the heavy favorite uh it feels like he's gonna get it if everyone gives up and maybe they do because they have no idea who else to vote for yeah i mean right. we're out here claiming baker mayfield should get it then <laughs> let's just I'll just give it to him it's like basketball it's a, i don't want to derail but like most improved player in basketball is one of the dumbest awards too it's the you know, a lot of times it's just like, well, this guy gets more opportunity or I get, he got a teammate that's pretty good now. But okay. Uh, final game. This one should be fun, actually. Dallas. Dallas at Miami. Miami's one and a half point favorite here. 51 and a half. Biggest total on the board here, John. Uh, you know, two of the best quarterbacks if we have the salary for it. Uh, Tua versus Dak. RIP, my Dak MVP ticket. It was fun while it lasted. I should have cashed out. They say never cash out. Yeah, I was fine not cashing out. But uh, yeah. John, what do we think of the Dallas and Miami? We don't know, obviously, about Tyreek. Um, if he plays, you know, if he does play, is he's he going to go for the 2,000 yards that he wants? Um, you know, certainly he's interesting. He's always interesting when he's on the field. But 
We'll do our best to give analysis on a Wednesday night. Start us off, John. Start on uh, Miami or Dallas, whichever side you prefer. No one wants to cash out. No one bets a season-long hold to turn one <laughs> unit into three units. It's either 350 <laughs> units or get the F out. We're not here for yeah. cash outs. Uh, but for Head-wise. let's start with the – start with the other side, but let's start with the Cowboys offense because I think it's a really interesting spot. It's a true test because so far we've seen from week eight on, since the Dolphins got back Jalen Ramsey, they are first in practically every defensive metric through the air anyways. First in yards per play, EPA per play, EPA per drop back, scoring drive allowed, et cetera. But also, if you look at the schedule in that time, they have played no one from the Jets twice to Mac Jones. The list goes on and on. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, they did play. They limited the Chiefs to 14 points. But again, against this this year's Chiefs offense, is that even impressive? I have no idea. So it's going to be a true test. And at the same time, we did see the Bills sort of expose, which is funny because it's the same thing the Cowboys were exposed on last year in Lambeau in Week 10 whenever Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones just ran it down their throats and said, oh, okay, that's how you negate Micah Parsons, just by running against this team. The Cowboys go into the offseason. They use their first night pick on the most athletic defensive tackle in the entire class in Mozzie Smith, and he can't even get on the field because he's still developing. So they have real issues up front. I know the media has been pushing that even Dan Quinn came out afterwards and said Jonathan Hankins wasn't available, but Jonathan Hankins is a, a veteran journeyman. Like Hankins does not come back and then turn that run defense into a respectable unit. They just got exposed by the Bills, who literally had the highest run play rate in the entire league in Week 15. And then what do you have now? In six full games that Devon Achan has played, the Dolphins are leading the league with six yards for pop from the ground. Like Mostert and Achan are coming for this defense. And that's what makes me somewhat worried about, is the Dolphins defense good and limiting the Cowboys on the road? And if so, then all we're going to see really, maybe Tyreek Hill gets there, but really what we're going to see is both running backs involved heavily. So I'm kind of wondering how to play uh, both running backs for the Dolphins, even both in the same lineup as opposed to trying to get on the Cowboys side here. I was going to ask what you prefer, Mostert 7-3, uh, A-Chan 7-1. It's still but- got to be Mostert. Uh, A-Chan is still their pass-catching back. He's run a route uh, on over 60% of the dropbacks the last two games compared to Mostert. But, I mean, when you're scoring, you know, when you have 20 touchdowns, like why would I ever tell you not to play this guy, especially if we think it's going to be a run-heavy game plan. So, uh yeah, it'd be most for me, but also for these two guys, usually it comes down to what ownership does. Most of the time, everyone picks A-Chan instead. A-Chan's sexier, right? But most gets in the end zone more. 20 touchdowns this season, which is just... Touchdowns. Uh, is that first? I don't know. Is Hurts, does, is Hurts right there? I'm just getting... Okay. CMC is yeah. 20. Well, CMC, yeah, I forgot about him too. He's pretty good at football as well. Uh, yeah, well, what's your lean here, Rich, as far as Miami? Yeah, that, that, that's how Buffalo... And Cook, and I had a ton of Josh Allen last week. They didn't need him to do anything. He just, just hand the ball off, basically. Seven completions. And yeah. What was like 15 passes or something goofy like that? It wasn't a lot. Um, but that was uh, what Dallas let them do, and they just ravaged them. And, they, you know, they, they they put a big hurt on the Cowboys. And certainly Miami is looking at that tape, so maybe they're going to try to run it back here. I think uh, the one thing, though, about this that's different than what happened last week, if we think that if we just think that that's going to happen again, is this Miami offensive line is still down yeah. real bad. Sure. And good point. Last week, Raheem Mostert only averaged 0.47 yards before contact per carry. It was the second lowest rate in a game this season. He got there because of the touchdowns. He, he wasn't good at all last week. They couldn't run the ball last week on the Jets. And up until last week, I mean, 
Dallas had not been bad against the run or bad against running back. So was it an exposure? Was it a hiccup? We don't know, right? Like, it's just, we're going to find out. Obviously, you know, Mike McDaniel, I'm sure, is looking at it's and what the Bills did and trying to borrow some things to get, especially with a guy like Devin Achan, who kind of fits a similar profile to James Cook, right? Uh, what he can do with him out on the edge and get him on space. But I will, I the, the, a big X factor is, can he scheme around this, offensive line again in this matchup i mean because last week he got the ball out of two of his hands uh 70 of two of his throws were out of his hand within two and a half seconds it was the highest rate in the nfl last week and they never had to worry about it never became an issue now two weeks ago when we saw it like it was a monster issue against jeffrey simmons and all those guys in tennessee so what wins out because although josh allen only dropped back the pass 15 times he was pressured on 50 percent of his dropbacks on those, he only he completed fifty under fifty percent of his passes. Like the Cowboys still were wrecking as a pass rush unit, so I'm real curious to see like what was true and ones up staying in this game. This is another week where we talk about the game of the week. I think it's the third week in a row because we had Chiefs Bills and then we had Bills. I think this is another pro. This game is ripe to let down too. Like yeah. absolutely. Like this, I mean, you the Cowboys have been one of the worst road teams on the season. The Dolphins have it. We have like this prevailing thing here, right? What's going to win out? All these things. We just talked about the offensive line matchup. Dallas can't run over. Dallas hasn't gone on the road and and beaten anyone yet. And like when Dallas fails, like they know how to fail. Like they don't <laughs> half step. Like they're out here just looking like all time <laughs> bad performances. And the Dolphins have played three teams with a winning record this year, and they've gotten beat by all of them. Mm-hmm. So like there's a lot here that is like can pull away and just not be true. Maybe it ends up just being a great game too. Like that exists in the range of outcomes. But I do think for the third week in a row, there are a lot of things here that when you look at this matchup in totality, that like when you look at the individual pieces under the hood, there, there's a lot of letdown potential here for this game. I definitely saw this game. And then when I was breaking it down, I left with more questions than answers, which is why I'm excited about it too, because I think we'll know a lot more about these two teams from week 17 on, but the issue is we're trying to build lineups for week 16. Um, I mean, yeah, we're going to build some lineups around it. But I mean, you look at like, like, like Tua, Tua has one QB scoring week in his past six games. Uh, You know, just he hasn't been getting there. And his, his last two QB one scoring weeks have come against the Raiders and the Commanders. Like, and as you very- as you said, he is 35th in the league and complete rate under pressure. He's a miserable under pressure, which is why people got to the Jets defense as a min price defense last week. And it didn't even matter because, again, Jalen Waddle just got open anyhow. Also, there was that unique wrinkle, which may put a dent. Probably not because it's still CDFing Lamb, but last <laughs> week they actually did shadow Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey requested to shadow Garrett Wilson and he was on him a majority of the time. Garrett Wilson's only three receptions came when he wasn't on Ramsey. Ramsey held him catchless. So I do wonder if like depending on Xavier Howard's health, I do wonder if Jalen Ramsey again just says, put me on CD Lamb. Just let me have him and let's see what happens there. Did you guys happen to see the clip from Hard Knocks with uh, Coach McDaniel saying, like, this is going to be a one-play drive. It's a one-play drive. And Waddle caught that 60-yard Absolute treasure. We need to protect him at all costs. Uh, the there's also that clip, Dean. I don't know if you saw that. After It was a clip of after their loss, so before the Jets game. And he came out, and he was telling the team how it was his fault. Like He's like, look at this play calling. Tua hasn't been put – your quarterback hasn't been put in that position all year long. I put him in that position. I'm, that's my mistake. Now the point of being a man is to make up for your mistakes and grow together. And so he just kept on pointing out the mistakes he made in front of the room to the team of players. Like this dude, this dude truly is a treasure. 
I think they respect that. You know, own, own your mistakes. Uh, we'll be better going forward. Uh, Even the Dallas the offense. best part of that uh, play caller series that Jordan Rodriguez did uh, over the summer. Every time he got on, I just wanted to hear him talk more. Uh, he's just a breath of fresh air, man. He doesn't. T- he has no coach hubris to him at all. Like, which is no. really refreshing. Coach speak is the worst. Yeah, like the, the, the nonsense that like anybody can just fill your play like you basically play Mad Libs. It's like we know exactly what you're gonna say. Uh, what was their name? Remember the the the, the Sodom report? They would make up the Sodom report. You can't do that with McDaniel. You never really know what he's gonna say sometimes. But uh, all right, how about Dallas? How, you know, we talk about Lamb potentially getting covered by Ramsey. Is that gonna chase us away? You know, whatever. It's something to put in your back pocket, I suppose. But you know, you don't x them out necessarily. I mean, most of the pieces in this are for tournament building, anyways, right? Like when you're looking yeah. at like your your individual core pieces, like it's hard to make like an individual case for like any of these guys outside of maybe Tyree Kill if he's 100. percent But with him not even being 100, percent he's not. So like, there's no one. Like this game is literally an onslaught game, right? Like this is a small field onslaught game. If you get it right, if this game actually cooks you hit a home run, but like everyone here is expensive and has question marks. That's yeah. Well, what would be your starting point? If you Tua or Dak, you got to pick one of those two. It'd be who? Yeah. yeah, That's what I figure as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And doubles like Dak. I still believe in the Cowboys passing game. Like I said, like just when the Cowboys, when they do fail, like it is, man, they do not have stuff. Like they, that was, that was really (laughs) the first time all year though, too, that we've seen them, Get drowned and, and not come back. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about Since the Forty Niners game. But but the Cardinals game, like they did get drowned, but they came back in the second half. So at least we got that that up tempo passing game. But last week, yeah, it was it wasn't like one second where you thought the Cowboys won that game. Not one. And do you respect the? Uh, I mean, the, the the Dolphins have had like a really light schedule. Like Daigle said, it's it's been it's been really light. But I do respect just like a lot of their core components. They were a defense I was into structurally. Obviously you add Vic Fangio and they, they lose Jalen Phillips, a bummer a few weeks ago. A dude that was playing really, but they have, they have stars everywhere defensively. Like this is a, this is a good defensive team and it could, they could also just be coming together at the right time. Well, they've had a lot of moving pieces with injuries though, too, throughout this, but I do respect a lot of their core components on defense, especially their defensive coordinator. So I still, like, this, this game too, this game could just be like a game. that's like in the low twenties. I still have a very large bet on them winning the division that I thought was no sweat, but now the bills with their schedule. Ooh, are yes. creepy you, you need them to, then you need them here. I do need them here. They yes. play week 18, I believe. I guess they you know this play, as well. Yeah. They do play week 18. But they play Cowboys, Ravens, Bills the rest of the yeah. way out. Like, they could, they, like, there's not, in the, it's not like a long shot to say, like, the Dolphins have 10 wins now and they ha- finish with 10 wins. Like, that's still in the realm of possibility. We're, are we still talking? Uh, is it too early to talk motivation and things like that? That's usually like next, the, the last two weeks of the season. I'm looking at the, Cowboys have a 1% chance to get a first round by something like that. They're already officially in the playoffs, 100% chance to make the playoffs. Miami essentially well, is Cowboys chance. absolutely are a team that wants a home game. There is honestly, yeah. there is no way around it. They want to play at home. And I think the Dolphins are the same way. The Dolphins, are, you know, we've talked about their home, obviously, their home field advantage changes as the year progresses. And this isn't a 1 p.m. kick Eastern. Uh, which is where that you know the that home field advantage should not be allowed. By the way, I can't believe like we're out here trying to ban the tush push. Someone ban the stadium. Like this, this just shouldn't be. It shouldn't be allowed. One p.m. They don't even give them fans. I don't think right. Like like when it's like ninety five degrees, the humidity. They throw them on the other side of the field. It's one o'clock. The, the the Miami wins. They wear their home whites. You know everything. I'm sorry. Yeah yeah yeah. They wear their home whites. Everything in their favor. It's just as illegal 
as Boise State's uh, field. Boise State's field. If you're going to ban, you're going to start calling things out to be banned. We got to ban Boise State's field. With that, that is the field. That, I mean, that's actual turf. Like this is a design. This is a fundamental design to get an advantage <laughs> on your opponent. This is this is not even. It's brilliant. Them. It's next level stuff, and uh, it's a fair point. It's a. But what are you going to do? Are you going to force them to play like at midnight, where it's not as miserable? But this one um, is a four p.m. or four p.m. Eastern mm-hmm. kick, so it, it does change the, that dynamic at least a little bit. All right, that December. is. Uh, what is the weather there this time of year, dude? Like 70 right now. It's really nice. Oh, yeah, 65, perfect, 70. Perfect yeah, it's weather. beautiful. So, I mean, only, kind of, and, and there's only three late games again, two of them being the ones we're excited about, and the Jags, Bucks, and Cowboys, Dolphins. You know, it's funny so, about the Bills is like we were there for years, they were kind of structurally built to be a team not to play in cold weather. And now they kind of are because like they've gone to like this full <laughs> personnel team that can't throw the ball downfield. Uh, it's kind of funny. So if Dallas Miami, despite having the biggest total on the board, that's going to be disappointing. We're going to talk about our favorite plays, position by position, in a second. Uh, but I'm but that's curious. literally happened three weeks in a row on this yeah. segment of the show. What's we've the been, game? We've been yeah, pretty good at calling it out too, both times. What is the game that we're most? What's the game that's most likely to have to be like the one that just goes? Is it Jacksonville Tampa? Is it possibly Arizona Chicago? Like some game would have to rise, like even no, by default. Watch, like, some, the Cardinals are boring. They're boring. And and the Bears defense is still really good. Okay. But okay, but uh, I, I can run off the other games. Too. That's a great <laughs> mini stat game, though. Bears Cardinals is a great mini stat game. You get you get Justin yes. Fields plus DJ Moore plus Trey McBride. You close up shop. Easy. Yeah. That, that that's Done super deal. That, that's I love that. I think that's great. You don't need anything Easy else. Game. Done out of there. Wipe your hands. Um walk away. Maybe it's Minnesota Detroit. Indy Atlanta could be that game, actually. Like Minshew versus Heineke, two like YOLO quarterbacks. Kind of, I don't know if they'll let Heineke go all YOLO, but more so than uh, Ritter, at least. Um, I'm just trying to think what yeah, the other indoor, game is. Indoor Colts Falcons. It's a Colts game. You never know. That one could be there's, fun. There's only nine games, Dean. Like, we yeah, can't there's only nine. Game. Game. I'm trying yeah. to find it. Well, if you, what I'm saying is, if you're going to say that game ain't it, tell me what is. <laughs> what is it? I think, I think <laughs> that's we, all I'm asking. I think we talked about a couple of our favorites Jags, Bucks. Yeah. And, you know, Lions, Vikings indoors with some explosive players. Like, you got, you got a Moan Ross St. Brown, Justin Jefferson. You got some of the best tight ends and receivers in the league. That's, that's a game. I mean, and Dean, this game, anyway, it's like an onslaught of this game is. It's great in theoretical sense, but everyone's expensive. Like you can't, like you have to make hard. hard choices in this game. Like it, once you pick a quarterback and you pair him with his wide receiver of choice and you try to add CD lamb or the second wide receiver, like you're done. You're out of money, man. Like you're, you're, uh, <laughs> All that's going to piss me off is that everyone's going to start on Dolphins Cowboys, screw up the first slate of games and then late swap onto our Jags bucks ownership. And that's where <laughs> I'm going to get really pissed off. It's like the people out there, like I'm out there running the winter trails and there's no one out there, me and everyone else who has trauma in our lives. Cause who's running in 20 degrees in Chicago. And then spring comes along and everyone comes out in 60 degree weather. It's like, no, I earned this. Not you. I get the gratification. That's going to be the people on Jags bucks. I wonder if we're going to know the status of Tyreek Hill. Uh, it's a four o'clock game or, you know, a lot of times you get the reports and most likely he's going to warm up and that kind of stuff. But I'm curious if we're going to be, I have no insider information, but I'm betting he plays this week. In I think he plays capacity, too. I don't know, but I bet he's in uniform this week. That's that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at as well. On a scale of one to ten, Rich, how much of a donkey play was uh, Cedric Wilson last week? 
because I played some Cedric Wilson. How, how, how shameful! Oh, no, no, Dean, we've all made worse. I mean, dude, uh, we <laughs> talked about. It. I mean, the, the donkey play was was mine. Antonio Gibson was a donkey play. That's a complete donkey play. I had some of him too. Yeah, oh, a, I mean, there there was no there. Were, Antonio Gibson hasn't been good at football all year, right? It's like did he like there was no reason to play him, but I did. Stuck him in some lineups. You said he did. He good. got me. Okay. I mean, he got me Kyron and Christian McCaffrey. I, he didn't do yeah. that bad, I guess. But I it wasn't what he did. It's what he got you. It, it was a. It was a week without any cheap receivers, too. Unless you went down to Cedric Wilson. But you can do this now because these this past three weeks because there we haven't had these slates with these quarterbacks that are burying us anymore. It so it, we've reverted back to like the team jam them in days because you could do the team jam them in because quarterbacks aren't scoring 40 points <laughs> it, that's when team jam them in went away team jam them away uh team jam in went away when we started to get weekly there's gonna be hey man there's gonna be four quarterbacks and it's like to score 35 points what are you gonna do about it are any of these quarterbacks gonna score 35 no. 40 points the quarterbacks that are left uh justin fields kyler murray jordan love we're expecting gino back uh, anybody you want to at least uh, give a stamp of approval of here, Rich, as far as quarterbacks, or like your pool has already been set. We've mentioned them. No, obviously you can play Justin Fields. He's good at home. Yeah. I mean, this this Arizona defense is just so passive. Last in the NFL in blitz rate, they get pressure at the 31st rate in the NFL, and that's literally Justin Fields' game. I mean, when, he, when he's pressured this year, he's averaging 4.6 yards per pass attempt. It's ahead of only Bryce Young. You know, uh, you know, to keep him clean, averaging 8.2 yards per pass attempt when kept clean, sixth in the NFL, 70 over second completion rate. Great spot for Justin Fields against his passer defense, uh, passive defense. We talked about Baker. I mean, listen, man, I wish we would have got CJ Stroud because I, Flacco's got to be on the board again, man. He yeah. has to be, dude. The Browns <laughs> look at how they're calling plays. Like they are, they're hyper aggressive with Joe Flacco in. Uh, they have they have thrown the ball four percent, six percent, six percent over at pass rate expectation in Flacco's three starts. Uh, in the two previous games with before Desha- after Sean Watson's injury, they were below pass rate expectation because Kevin Stansky was just trying to get through life. He was just trying to hope his defense would win him football games. Unfortunately, we're getting like I don't know if the Case Keenum Cleveland revenge game is going to do it though. But this Houston defense is another one we've just literally been targeting. I mean, since their week seven by their twenty eighth in completion rate allowed, their thirtieth in yards or pass attempt allowed. Uh, they've we've been able to pick on them kind of weekly, and he's got stacking partners. I mean, Joku is in another objectively amazing spot, and you've got uh, kind of Amari as like a levered pivot play. Yeah, ever since Joku burned his face, he's been spectacular. By the way, speaking of, we don't talk about a defense, but I didn't realize the Bears are 2 8 versus Arizona. That's not like a thing we focus on, but that looks really good against Murray, who makes a, a fair bit of mistakes. And that Bears defense, talking about the defense being better of late, they've certainly picked it up as well. John, give me a, give me some quarterbacks. Anything that left in the table? Any scraps? No, for you? actually, not Those at scraps. all. Uh, <laughs> we, we touched on a Baker, Mullins, Flacco, and Fields. That's my pool. Okay. Would you play a, if Zach Wilson is the starter today, would you play him? maybe it seems so unnecessary it just why? seems like wa- it's washington is the only is the answer why i guess right i know the, I know. yards against the texans two weeks ago he did he did and they that was in a game where it wasn't even good game script and they just kept on passing with them he was awesome i don't know how but he was awesome in that game too i don't think so because i mean we did see him turn back into zach wilson against the dolphins you see how cheap he is I haven't. I, I didn't know what his price was. I was curious. I don't know. Uh, he's four eight, which is like he okay. plays in the fours. I could play. Uh, it's not an endorsement. I was just speaking. What is, what is a factual we're statement? We're talking hypotheticals here. 
Gosh, I just we're we're not gonna get any pushback from Washington though. Like Sam Howe's getting benched again. I don't know why they're starting him again. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's the point? Uh I don't mind it. I actually wish NFL teams did this more, like relief pitchers in baseball, and obviously you have more <laughs> starts in baseball, but like sometimes like Clayton Kershaw just gets rocked and gives up six runs in the first two innings, and you don't you say <laughs> it wasn't your day. I wish NFL teams would do this more with backup quarter, especially when their starter like clearly isn't like an elite guy. Hey, mm-hmm. you know what, Sam? Like, you don't have it today, do that. I'm gonna see if Jacoby's cooking or not. Like, why not? Like, I wish teams would do that more often, man. Jacoby Bring did cook. Lefty. Yeah, I mean, he cooked against all that pre-vet defense, but like, yeah. well, I wish teams would do it like in the second quarter when it was clear, like, hey, dude, like Sam Howell's completing forty percent of his passes. Like, do you want to do this for two more quarters? Like, don't wait until it's the you know, I said, wait to pull your starter to the ninth inning, or like, you're you, you can't win the game. Like, I wish teams would pull it more, do do more more of this stuff. Well, especially when the one and the two, there's not a big difference, and right? That's a lot of yeah. A lot of teams have like their one and their two is they're both kind of like mediocre or okay, right? It's not – we don't have a lot of superstar quarterbacks, unfortunately, at this point uh, for a variety of reasons. I think the uh, Titans John, would have had a couple yeah. more wins if they would have swapped Levis out a couple times. To Tannehill? Yeah, during some games. Yeah. There are some games where, like, Levis was just objectively, like, this dude, like, they don't have a shot to win this. Like, it's – like, he's dead right now. Like, that Bucks game when the Titans played the Bucks, like, it was, like, clear in the second quarter. You're like, oh, dude, like, Will Levis is – like, he's cooked this game. He's – He's raw. He's got he's got some skills. He looks good in the uh, punt, pass, and kick. But you uh, might not you know. want him to win games either. So like it is what it is. Although That's we're gonna get angle. that Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill swan song out of Tennessee, huh? Is that is that gonna be is that gonna happen? Is that gonna be a thing? I get this is it. For them, Seems right? like they're not, it. they're not coming back. I assume they're not coming, oh, coming no. back next season. Uh, John, running back. Speaking of Derrick Henry, good lord, D. Hember was so bad last week. Uh, his efficiency was like the worst thing I've ever seen. He had the fewest uh, yards ever on a back with that many carries of, I, uh, in, in NFL history. And let the record show that I played him. So I was a part of history. <laughs> I played him solely for the game script. And boy, did that not work out. I was aware of the Texans defense. I knew all about it. Didn't care. And uh, I played into the teeth of the monster and lived to tell about it. But for me, a couple of the running backs you can spin down for. Chupa Hubbard is interesting because not dude. only uh, – yeah, I mean, Jordan Love not only has been bad these last two games, so it may be a little more favorable game script than we think. Packers are one of only two defenses allowing over five yards per carry since week 10. And, dude, under without Frank Reich, all they're doing is just giving the rock to Hubbard. At least 22 carries in three consecutive games, 24 touches per game in that time. So, dude, love Chuba Hubbard, who's been awesome on those touches too. Uh, and then I think Devin Singletary is interesting if you are playing it through Joe Flacco because we did see – a change of the guard last week with them just eliminating Pierce altogether. One touch, 5% of the snaps. Devin Singletary, 30 touches. Singletary actually now, I believe he's the only running back in the league who has multiple 30-touch games. I don't think Christian McCaffrey has gotten there either. Uh, and yeah, so just again, if you're going to play through Flacco, that's kind of my option with C.J. Stroud most likely not playing. By the way, uh, Derrick Henry last week, 16 rushes, nine uh, yards, four oh, receptions yeah. on four targets for one yard. <laughs> Just amazing I, And confirmed. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think That's it's like going to happen. Hurts level. I don't think it's going to happen because it's Brable, but like, I mean, they got eliminated from the postseason last week. Like, if you're not going to take a look at Tajay Spears, and granted, they probably know what they have in Tajay Spears. Yeah. Like, moving forward, but like, just let him take these three games and just give it, just let it be the Tajay Spears show. 
is Brable still battling for his job or is he? No, he's, hell no. He's, he's there. He's, he's safe. safe right? He's safe. Yeah, I think they like him. Yeah. That's uh, he's got that. Yeah, he's, so, he's got the Tomlin gene, man. Like that, that team plays up when they shouldn't and they fight. Like, Brable's safe. Uh, Hubbard was the dude I was talking about. Same price as Ty Chandler. He has 93 touches over his past four games. Only Kyron Williams has more. Uh, the Packers have allowed 5.1 yards per carry to running backs over the past six games. It's 30th in the league. They've allowed a top, uh, an RB1 score in five times over that span. The, the guys have been Najee Harris, Jalen Warren in the same game, Isaiah Pacheco, <laughs> Saquon Barkley and Rashad White. Like it's not exactly like they're giving a, giving up the bag here to like CMC. Like these are dudes that are getting there against them. Then mm-hmm. like if Chuba Howard may be just a dude, but if just dudes are getting there and he's you know at home against the team that's given up the given up a lot of production to running backs, he's getting twenty carries a game. Like I think he's a way better objective play than Ty Chandler. Can somebody give me a take on Kareem Hunt? This stuff can change, no, obviously. Wednesday yeah, night, I, 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 I was very surprised. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I don't understand why he's getting – he's cheap is basically the main selling point. He's 4'8". Um, but I thought maybe I was missing something. He's 4'8 on DK and 5'6 on Fandle. But I, just, you're, you're just both saying no, and that's that. He's averaging 36 total yards per game since coming back. He has top 50 total yards twice in 12 games. He's just the goal. He's a touchdown or bust dude. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, I was feeling the same way. I'm like, this feels like really bad. Uh, and again, I don't like to marry it on a Wednesday night. These stuff, you know, everything changes. It's all fluid. But just wanted to point it out and acknowledge that to hunt for whatever reason is hitting this stuff pretty hard. Uh, John, His running back slate is terrible though. Like this is an absolutely awesome. horrendous main slate for running backs that's why you could just play dudes like hubbard play the touches and pay up somewhere else well you say play a dude like any dude getting 30 touches i'm in i don't care yeah you're in a uniform and you're you're playing running that's back in the NFL, you're confident but, enough yeah maybe you yeah. play chandler and hubbard then <laughs> uh how about receivers rich and you, you have like a bad quarterback listen we're just gonna leave we're gonna leave 6k on the table this week See what happened. There's like 13 quarterbacks we could play at 6K. That's okay. No, no. There's a lot of good receivers, though. So it is a yeah. good receiver slate. We got lots of receivers to choose from. Give me some. Fire up some receivers we've not yet talked about. Go ahead, Dago. Uh, I will go to DK Metcalf. Whether we get Geno Smith or not, um, you know, we just saw Noah Brown with a 32% target share get there, scored 22 fantasy points. Before that, Jalen Waddle struggling across from Tyreek Hill. Even he scored 13 fantasy points. Michael Pittman, 27. So uh, Titans continue to give it up through the air. So I like DK Metcalf quite a bit. If you want to spin down Curtis Samuel, I do think is interesting. 25.5% target shares last three games. And the Jets are seeing the third highest target rate in the slot. So, well, regardless, Sam Howe, Jacoby Brissett, whatever, Curtis Samuel still got there with Sam Howe, or didn't get there, but he at least saw the targets whenever Howe was on the field last week. And then the only other one I have, again, if you're looking for very, very cheap, if Michael Pittman's out, DJ Montgomery did get a 28.5% target share whenever Pittman left the field. He even dropped a second touchdown at 1.2, so just a little cheapy. Rich, uh, did John Levy anybody? Probably a lot of the higher uh, Well, we had well, we talked about Denniston Jr. You can still play. We talked about Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley. We didn't really even talk about Amon Ra. I think people just know you can play Amon Ra if you want to play Amon Ra. Uh, Mari Cooper. There's a lot. All those guys. You play all those guys. They're all good. Tight ends. 
Uh, do we want to talk about the optimizer Optimal. as far as that ends? Yeah, this is the this is a relief to the optimizer, which has been very good on a Wednesday night. It's actually uh, pointed us in the right direction, and no surprise, uh, it's Trey McBride and David and Joku. That's one two. Okay. Uh, a third, Ferguson fourth, uh, Ingram then Komet. But uh, yeah, McBride is really coming in strong. Five seven, he's creeping up there. But you know, he should very, be very though, man. Like this dude, mm-hmm. he's getting like immense usage. Mm-hmm. He's not in the slate, but is is Kelsey? I don't want to say is Kelsey done. I don't want to be that guy to put the shovel. But uh, you know, the elite territory is it kind of over for Kelsey? Thirty four knees. There's a lot, I think, that Here's plays into it. I mean, the context of the Chiefs' offense. Uh, also, there was no way he was going to provide the positional leverage he was going to if only someone had written about that in the offseason and told you not to draft Travis Kelsey in the first <laughs> round. But, I mean, he's been more or less fine, but just not, like, elite, right? Like, it's like kind of where we are. Yeah, I think it's I a mean, good spot still, for him. If you're if you're playing it, Christmas Day, I think it's a good spot for him, though. It's still, it still pisses me off, like you, in my – Top 15 fades article. Kelsey was the very first one because I go by ADP and Kelsey was the first one since he was being drafted as a top five player. And I explain like the history of tight end scoring and all, all, you know, just like you. It still pisses me off though. I will not get over that the one slate that he exploded was that remember, we all had that late swap with him and Cooper Cup and I chose Cooper Cup and everyone ended being cash games. And I will still never get over that. I will hate him for life for that. <laughs> we never remember like the late swaps that actually go right. No, we only remember never. the ones that go poorly. Only so, that you know, one. Sometimes it actually does work out. We actually do make the smart move that like helps us out. But we just forget those. The photo yeah. finishes. You only remember the photo I, finishes. I will say, big big props to the Chiefs are finally taking, you know, 12 weeks for it to happen, but just letting Rasheed Rice play every snap. Yep. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Yeah. How did it take them so long to realize that's the best receiver amongst all the other tracks? You have uh, just the nonsense that they have there and as it's far like, as receivers. It's almost getting to, like, at the point with Kadarius Tony where you just feel bad for him. Like, this guy... Uh, he's literally like negative EPA. Like anytime they give him a target, it's like losing them yards. It's so bad. Yeah. Or it's uh, turning into like a funky uh, interception that never should have happened. But okay. A- anything else to add besides the optimizer as far as tight end? Anything goofy, anything off the board, uh, Rich? Or it's just, uh, it is what it is. Um, Hawk- Hawkinson's not not hitting anything for the record. And same deal with um, uh, the Detroit tight end. I'm losing his name for some reason. Oh, Laporta. We actually didn't talk about Sam Laporta. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we kind of mentioned him in passing. We were talking about Detroit before. But if those guys are going to be kind of, un, you know, not owned very heavily because of salary. And people are settling on Njoku. They're settling on McBride. But you're both great plays. Ingram looks like a great pivot, like in that price zone. Uh, we kind of talked about him. Ch- uh, Chig's salary went up a hair. Plus, we may lose it with from Tannehill. Um. Yeah, I mean, historical this... anomalies in chat says Tony is a saboteur. I love that. It's a great use of that word. He's the mole. If you know the mole, if you know, you yeah. Know. I mean, dude, he literally had another like <laughs> there. He's put an absolute clinic on this season. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, clinic against the mole. It was what it was the same because remember the interception that cost him week one. It was like yep. a mm-hmm. replay of that. It was literally a replay of that. Man, Patrick Patrick Mahomes, I've never seen him so upset. He's just he's wearing how pissed off he is on his face every single week now too. He's like, we well, took it out of the rest, this, but like, this Chiefs yeah. team is going through it for the first time. I'm sorry, I'm sorry yeah. about it, Chiefs. I'm sorry. And it, it was there's like still an outside chance they could be the one seed, like because yeah. if the Dolphins falter here, 
And the and the Ravens have a ridiculously hard. We talk about the Dolphins three game stretch, but like you know that's a swing game. Dolphins Ravens and the, the Ravens go at San Francisco this week, and then I don't really give a shit who like the Steelers are playing. Whenever they play the Ravens, like it ends up being a hell game for them. That's so like I'm I'm not counting out the Chiefs at all. I still think there's a great chance they make the Super Bowl. Their last three games, they get the Raiders, Bengals, and Chargers. They can easily figure. Yeah, they're this winning thing out. out. They're winning yeah. out. They can easily figure this thing out, get to the postseason, and we just forget this happens. But they're definitely like down for the first time in Mahomes' career, just trying to hope something sticks right now. Yeah, I mean, when he threw that fit after that game a couple weeks ago, I mean, come on, man! Like yeah. the Chiefs had a lot of you know, you don't it'd be as good as you, as the Chiefs are to and not have like some high variance things go in your direction. So when one didn't go against them, it was like, come on, man! Like you can't, you can't be mad. I know, about especially because. Him and Josh Allen are like good friends because they know they're going to be, be. Come on, man! They're going to be playing these <laughs> legacy games against each other for the next twenty-five years of our lives. And so, just to like go up to your friend after the game, the first thing you do is bitch about a call. It's like, come on, bro, get out <laughs> yeah. of here, get the fuck out. It of was here. well. The the best was like I don't know if you guys. I don't. I don't remember who dropped it, but somebody dropped that gif on uh, on Twitter, like from the boys, where like uh, you know the evil. I don't want to give anything, but you know the guy. You know he did something terrible, and like the people are applauding him. It's like it's like the, this is Katarius Tony. He's like. Like, there is Tony totally got away with it. It's like, you know, it's like nobody's even mad at him. It's, it's so strange. It's like we're mad at the ref. And like, yeah. I know it's a call. It's never called and whatever. But at some point, if you're off by a certain amount, you have to at least acknowledge. Like, oh, wait was, a second. Maybe. It was yeah. that uh, it was that Broncos touchdown again on Saturday night, too, where the center was offsides. His helmet was offsides by like less than an inch. And they called it. And then that touchdown got negated. And that was such a big swing because that turned a 28-14 game. And Deshaun Payton kicking the field goal on 28 to 10. And the Broncos just like never had a chance from that point forward. Just little stupid things like that. All right. That is uh that is the slate. Let's we got anything else, boys. We could talk uh talk a little bit of movies. We I would say the three game like, we don't we're not gonna dig into it, but the three game Christmas slate is fun as hell. Um it, Baltimore, San Fran, Giants, Eagles, Vegas, KC. Speaking of KC, for like a three you have one take you want to get out there. You know, a three game, a three game DFS slate, like it, it, considering the one we got on Thanksgiving and the one we had last week, like this, it's it's a lot better than those. Well, look at the quarterbacks, right? We we have Mahomes, we have Hertz, we, we got uh, you know the MVP, we have Lamar. Uh, like the in those three games, they, they, they laugh the quarterbacks we have on this nine game slate as far as potential upside, and then the Giants are playing too. Also, that gets but no, maybe yeah. Devito. Yeah, well, I mean, come on, it's it's midnight, isn't it? It's midnight at some point. <laughs> he showed up to the pizza restaurant. Uh, it's a good, it's a good for him, but uh, and I know there's supposedly something going on with the. I think he got rid of his agent. I'm not following this stuff, but it just pops up in my timeline all for whatever reason. All I'm gonna say is he had four carries and then he had a concussion. Maybe he would have got there. Probably not, but maybe he would have got there last week. <laughs> oh, I do want to mention before we talk about our movies, uh, the props and pick 'em package. You know, it's a gambling show now. Here we we drop a, it is some a props here and there. You can get access to Roto-Grinders' all-new Props and Pick'em Package, a special holiday discount driven by the RG Premium Projections. Our tool combs through your favorite sportsbook uh, and fantasy pick'em sites as well, underdog prize picks, uh, and they find the best picks for you at the best odds. And for a limited time, you get a 50% off discount for your first month. Go ahead and click that. Click the link that is in the description below the video or the podcast um that's it though right we're gonna talk a little bit of movies we're done as far as that, uh, week 16 that is it but really quickly because just because he's in the chat d dubber since he's watching the show 
Um, Rich, you can agree or disagree, but he says he has a 16 league semifinals this week. Sit one between Garrett Wilson, Rasheed Rice, and Amari Cooper. Ooh. I would sit Garrett Wilson personally. Yeah, I think so. I mean, dude, we're playing Rasheed Rice. We just talked about it. He's in, yes. baby. We are we are quite literally playing Rasheed Rice in every He's game in our board. Yes. You we literally finally we've been talking about it for two years. We have like a full hundred snap, hundred percent snap wide receiver attached to Patrick Holmes. Patrick Mahomes. Like we got one. We got one. We're there. You guys it's ever you partake in those 16 uh, 16 man leagues? I've never done uh, that yeah. deep, but that seems that seems pretty good. I'm actually like it's not it's Rice, not a 16 teamer, but uh I streamed a 14 team league. It's actually the it was the most watched video on the 444 YouTube channel uh, this entire year, this off season, and I'm in the finals of it. Winner gets 2500 oh. too. Nice little chunk of change. Very nice. All right. Good luck with that. That's I guess we're in the semis now or the finals come up this week. How does that when, when are we semis uh, for a lot of people this league in particular? Mm-hmm. We decided to end it in week 17 or week 16. So this is the finals. I'm in the finals. Um, I got some scrubs like Josh Palmer and Chase Brown and Demir White to sift through. But that's what everyone's dealing with now. If you're in the playoffs, you're literally just taking this thing day by day. So Richie Smalls is asking to sit one CMC, no, Carden, or Brees. I mean, no, now we're just being trolled. Like, yeah. he's, he's trolling yeah. you, dude. That's a troll question. Now we're part. all of a sudden a season-long live call-in show, basically, at this point. But uh, Right. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of teams out there. I have a few that have CMC, Kyron, because of where Kyron went. And, like, dude, we are Ooh. just riding this. We are riding this volume train. We need to get through a, a, a week here. Yeah, but are there any of those your best ball teams that you just refuse to absolutely check? I draft. I think think that if one of us wins, instead of doing a movie, we make Rich just show us his best ball teams next week on stream. No, somebody should know. Make him look. Make him look at him. (laughs) Make him look like it's no one. Uh, Me and Overzet have one through the one he tweeted. I drafted on his show with him. TJ, what is this terrible view you have for us right now? This is I'm I'm gonna just do this because that's better. I, there you go. Because oh. I have control of everything <laughs> at all times, so I'm gonna fix it. You're the producer now. You're the captain now. Is that what's going on? What, what's happening? Eyes. Yes. This all is right, so we have 13 Rob. movies to review right now. Are we yes. ready to do this? That's it for football, by the way. We appreciate you guys hanging out. If you want to hang out, we're gonna talk about a couple of movies in a second. Uh, but if you just want a football, thank you. Uh, enjoy. Uh, you know, good luck this week. Win something, take something down. Advance if you're in playoffs. Advance if you're in best ball. Look at uh, your best enjoy ball. your Christmas. Enjoy. You enjoy our takes on Nick Mullen, CJ Beathard, and Joe Flacco. Stay for that. <laughs> enjoy Bro- MVS week. We're getting MVS uh, touchdown no. this week. Are right. we? That's I was just going to ask. You guys have no idea. The easiest prop bet every week is to bet the MVS over because it's like 14 yards and he always catches one ball for like 20, 20 yards. And that's all you need to get this prop like every week. Okay, uh, noted. I suppose that that is that something we're looking at. I've not considered MVS over, but uh, it is a gambling show now sometimes, <laughs> so maybe That's we'll right. hit that and hopefully uh, we win something big. You have any other takes, uh, Rob? You got like one more take before you want to fire it off before you dive in the movies as far as uh, the main slate, the nine gamer? Have you dug in yet? I haven't dug in. I was more so looking, like uh, Rich said, at the Christmas Day slate because it's a lot of fun. So I'm gonna be firing that bad boy, and I know you had a you know, it's been a rough week for you. You just got your power back. So we're happy to, to you know, yeah. your power's back. My your street was on was fire. Mess. My street was literally on fire. We had five telephone poles pulled down into the street and all the transformers Jeez. blew and everything was on fire. It was great. 
Good times. Were you home for this? Like, were you like peeking outside, or is this something like you came home to? No, I can't. I came home to it. I saw the videos being posted everywhere on all the town pages. It's like, oh, that's my street. Good stuff. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, we we, we kind of made it a double feature because nobody could uh, everybody could not watch Silent Night. Silent Night is the very first movie we're going to talk about. Now, to be clear, there are many Silent Nights. There are several Silent Nights. This is a Silent Night starring Kira Knightley, not the one that was just released in theaters. I will go ahead and read the. Uh, this was uh, recommended by John. Uh, John suggested this one kind of off the board, off the cuff, on the fly. Um, uh, for the record, it was because I quite literally Googled best adult holiday movies, and this is one of the top ones. So I said, as I was trying to correct the, the error of Fat Man, I brought this one to the table instead. The algorithm, what is bad? The uh, the IMD, uh, IMDb synopsis, Neil, no, Nell, Nell, Simon, and their son Art, Art host a yearly Christmas dinner at their country estate for their former school friends and their spouses. It is gradually revealed that there is an imminent environmental catastrophe and that this dinner will be their last night alive. All right. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it had a weird feel. John, you want to start just because it sort of felt like a traditional, oh, it's a happy, fun, everybody's getting together. And then at some point, they drop some nuggets here, drop some nuggets there. But at some point, it sort of turns like, oh, wait a second. This is, a, this is not going to be your traditional fun holiday classic. But yeah, your takeaway, what do you got as far as uh, Silent Night? It felt like three different movies. And I know it was British, so we have the buildup, and it takes a little bit to get there. But the first 30 minutes, I was really worried that I picked the wrong movie because it felt more like a rom-com. Nothing was happening at all. The Nothing. next 30 minutes, they started not even unveiling the plot, just kind of slowly hinting at it, and it felt a little more darker, and we had a little more character building but it took 30 minutes to get there anyways. And then the last 30 minutes, it becomes the horror I thought we were getting for a majority of the film. And that's when it becomes more of a thought exercise of, hey, I don't know, like, would you take this pill? Or would you just die from the gas since the kid, I, I guess, lived in the end? Spoilers, by the way. We're going to spoil yeah, spoiler spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> Right out the gates. <laughs> I'm not firing it up. <laughs> I, I think he lived. I'm still not sure if he, like, smeared the blood on his face on purpose or if it was ketchup or something. I don't know. Because he was a little conniving kid, anyways. Very good child actor too. He was really funny, by the way. But he's the kid from Jojo Rabbit. If you ever seen, if you've ever seen Jojo Rabbit, he was uh, good. Yeah. Jojo Rabbit, yeah. Really good. Which I recognize should, him. I'm like, everyone, everyone should go watch that movie kidding. too. Yeah, it's a great movie. That is, um, uh, yeah. But it, but it didn't hit, admittedly, because there was so much. Uh, it just didn't hit. Nothing got there in the end. Again, good thought exercise, I think, for five minutes. But the fact it took to the very end to get the horror part, I don't know. I think I, I still left feeling a little bit sad. I was like, I think that movie just made me depressed, but also I don't know why, because it took so long to get there. The pill, by the way, that you're referencing, if people aren't aware, basically it will it will make a, a quick and painless death. If you don't take the pill, it's gonna be it's gonna be painful, right? And that was one of the quandaries that you know, one of the questions of the movie. Uh, and I guess we can ask who would take the pill, who wouldn't take the pill. And uh, the, the yeah. first time they mention it is when they're talking about his pregnant girlfriend and so i just thought oh we're talking about the pill and then we were not talking about the pill we were talking about the other pill that would kill you yeah uh ritz jump in here your thoughts as far as silent night would you take the pill <laughs> i mean listen this movie came in with an agenda <laughs> it delivered that agenda hard uh it was very hand over fist the deliverance of that that agenda no redeemable characters in this movie there's not one reason for you to care about, any right of these about people 
That's a big uh, thing for you, I've noticed. You love redeemable characters. That abs- dude, why? Yeah, why would Dean? It's a story. Why did, why did I care about any of these people? Well, Tony Soprano's not redeemable. You know, Walter White's not a redeemable character. What, a, but what the about these, characters? Of all what time. about what about these characters on any level? They did, but they have a way. Like both they both those shows found a way. Vince Gilligan and I forget who directed the Sopranos had ways to make those characters ha- they become like almost anti-heroes in a sense. Like you were rooting for those characters in a sense, and in multiple circumstances, even though you knew top down they were villains, they were monsters of life. These there these people have sucked. I, I think you're 99 right rich i think there is one <laughs> redeemable character no he he was fine he was still a little shit you didn't like him where are you at uh johnny depp's daughter yeah uh, she was fine yeah her and her boyfriend uh, were both fine people like i wanted were... to, I, i'm a bit i like matthew good because i just it's funny as i just watched the first watchman with my son he just watched that and matthew good is ozymandias and that and uh much better movie i wish i was watching that again I is it? I thought the first. I thought the first Watchmen wasn't good. Oh, it's good. Is it? Okay, I need to rewatch it then. It was ahead of its time, and it was too long at the time. But the now H- everybody. The HBO good. was really good. I remember I need that. To watch it. Oh yeah, the HBO show was phenomenal. Yeah. They just took it off. Max, it's a big. People are very upset. Uh, oh really? Oh, because Apparently DC did a new deal. DC is doing, or it's not. It's, what is it? They some kind of something <laughs> happened with with uh, where the comic stuff's all leaving Max, right? TJ is going to let us in. I think he was eating. I had a mouthful of food, so I I didn't want to just like start talking. But um, that was actually just a glitch, and everybody reported on it really quickly. Washington was off of Max for like three hours, um, and then it was back on later because it accidentally just like they were updating the site, then it glitched off. Did did DC just do a deal with someone to as their stuff leaving? Um, There's WB is. Broke, and so they're starting to license stuff off to other streaming companies um certain things but for the most there's actually new rumors today that there will be a um a potential merger between paramount and wb so uh, who, don't like it who knows yeah it's really strange seeing hbo shows pop up on netflix it's like i, I keep saying that's like, well, this is so weird like you know what i guess they're just uh well they had to make a bunch of cuts it's not worth getting into what was the movie, TJ? There was a what? There was a was it uh, Bat, uh, Batgirl? Was it Batgirl? They just like threw the movie out and like just uh, yeah. they did it for more taxes? than one, but they did Batgirl for sure. Yeah, yeah. Another one they just recently did it too was Coyote versus Acme, but now other people are trying to buy that one um, because they're essentially just that. like scrapping fully made movies for the purposes of tax write offs. Yeah, which doesn't seem like like ideal. There's got to be a better solution, I would <laughs> imagine, and hopefully. Everybody involved wants to see those movies see the light of day, but I'm derailing it. Uh, Rob, your take as far as Silent Night, you're you're like the probably the biggest horror fan on this show. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say it's like a oh. horror movie per se, but it's got, <laughs> no. it's got horror elements. There's horror yeah. elements. It, it was fitting that you were trying to redeem yourself for Fat Night, for Fat Man with this one, Daigle, because <laughs> the right movie we should have watched instead of Fat Man was Violent Night, which is a much better version of that movie. And then we watched this movie, Silent Night, and a much better version of this movie is The Mist from 2007. You're correct. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a great correlation, as we like to uh, tout in the DFS industry. So you you just really nailed that one too. But you 
you shouldn't have paid down. We should have paid up for the other movies at this one and maybe cut cost at other positions. Has anyone yeah, we... seen the John Woo Silent Night? That's what I tried to push instead. Did anyone <laughs> did anyone go and see that? Oh, we get a review no. of that. That's that's the one that just came out, and I think it was like trashed by everybody. Like I I know the one that just came out in theaters. Apparently it's, I didn't, it's terrible. I didn't watch that or Merry Little Batman, unfortunately, just yet. How many doves do you think were in the John Woo Silent Night version? Oh, dude, there has to be. Just he blew the budget on doves, man. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Uh, I mean, I think this movie was mostly boring. I, yeah. The majority of the characters were irredeemable. You're not really rooting for anything. The when you really think about it, it doesn't make sense. The the pill situation where we're like worried about what the scientists think. You're making it seem like 99.9 percent of the population took this this pill instead of this one little kid and then you do the whole thing where he doesn't take the pill he was bleeding the rest of the family takes it and then they do this like camera pan to him where i'm like he's gonna open his eyes at the end of this movie and it's gonna cut to black and when he opened his eyes my eyes actually rolled into the back of my head (laughs) and out of my skull onto the floor because i was like obviously that's gonna happen yeah it was calculated yeah i mean The the kid was a decent actor, but like even if the kid's right and you want to be on his side, you're like, I just I'd rather take the pill because I don't want to deal with this kid anymore. Right. That is like one of the sneaky best like endings of all time. Speaking of endings, like I don't want to give it away. Yeah. So uh, we won't spoil that movie, but you should watch it. It's a different ending from the book, The Mist, that Stephen King wrote. And Stephen King notoriously hates for his uh, work to be altered. Yeah. And when they approached him with that ending, he said, that's awesome. Do it. I mean, we're talking about The Shining is considered one of the best horror movies of all time. Stephen King hates The Shining so much that he redid it in like 1989 or something like that with Stephen Weber, which is a a much less known version. But he wanted it done to showcase the way that he wrote the book. So I still... I'm still working on uh, it as well. Like I'm actually still reading that. It's not just up here. But the thing is, one, Stephen King books are so long that I'm just kind of chopping it off chapter to piece. But the detail in his literature is truly incredible. Like literally, uh, he's he's such an amazing writer, an amazing writer. I listened to it, the audio book, and I think it literally took me a year to get through it based on like the way I had to break it up. It's around 800 pages. It's a long one, but man, the writing is, it's beautiful. really is, you know, outside of like it being also involving lots of rape and whatnot. Yeah. Well, that, that gets a little very violent book. It's very, (laughs) very violent. It is. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and want to get scores or do we want to, let's just do the, can I, can I just control the show for a second? Go for it. Let's not do the IMDb game on this movie unless you just oh. want to give it real quick. We'll do it, it on the, the Life Aquatic. Yeah, just tell us. We won't do the guesses. We'll do the guesses on Life It's Aquatic. a 5.7 on IMDb, and I have it for Rotten Tomatoes as well. Uh, okay. Critics liked it. 66%. Two out of three critics. Of course they would. Yes. And the audience <laughs> split. 47% uh, as far as the audience Yeah. Uh, on Silent, Silent Night. It was quick. It felt like incomplete. Like it felt like there was more movie. Like I like the the idea in theory. Yeah, it wasn't was there good. to be a movie. I'm gonna let you guys know that that, that wasn't there to be a movie. <laughs> I just felt like I felt like there was more. more. They, they just like they yeah like they they lost like half the footage and they said well whatever you can piece together and make it give us ninety minutes. 
I, no. I don't know. There was there was no sense of a horror in that first thirty minutes at all. Not one single one. I yeah. I literally like I it almost ran. To, I almost ran to the DM we have because I was going to message y'all and apologize because I really thought I made y'all watch a rom com. <laughs> I thought I had the wrong movie the entire time. It's like Love Actually or something. Yeah. I give it a one point two out of five. Ooh, that's a rough score. What else is like a one point two? I'm curious. Well, what does it next do on your scale? Like what? What movie would you comp it to? Like, what well, else is I, one, two? I just had to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. And that's going to get a higher score than this got. So Who's keeping the spreadsheet of this all year? So at the end of the year, we can pull this stuff back up. Uh, that's TJ's job. TJ, producer TJ. <laughs> He's got to go back in the archives for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rich, what do you got? What, what, do you have a tight end? We're going to. Uh, yeah, this is uh, the tight end, Alex Smith. Do you remember him? Uh, completely <laughs> forgettable. We'll always remember the real Alex Smith. <laughs> he would mess up spreadsheets probably with people that are probably trying to make their, uh, you know, 150 lineups or whatever. I think he, had a good, he played like 10 years, but like. He was a good blocking tight end. Yeah. He just infringed on the real Alex Smith. Whoa. What do you got, John? Can you top Alex Smith, the cannot, blocking tight end? I cannot. I haven't given anything below a, a seven, um, below a six, but this is definitely going to check in as like a 2.1 out of 10. Damn. You're down there I, with me. I liked it the most by default out of all of us. I'll give it a C. Uh, I thought a there was C. something there. I'll give it a C. Like, Daigle did actually send a message when he watched it. Do you know what his message was? Do you remember it? It's I've actually uh, given us a Dean movie. Something like yes. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I accidentally picked a Dean movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we shall move on. Let's talk. This is another movie that was not a Dean movie. Uh, Wes <laughs> Anderson's The Life Aquatics uh, with Steve Zizu. Love Bill Murray. Bill Murray's spectacular. Um, this was, we just kind of picked this one organically because we're talking about Wes Anderson movies. And by the way, I meant to say Royal Tenenbaums. I was just, that's the one I meant to throw out there because somebody told me I did a power ranking of Ben Stiller movies. They're like, well, what about Royal Tenenbaums? Several people said, because I left it off the list because I don't think I ever saw it or I think I saw bits and pieces, but somehow I thought of Life Aquatic, which is also both, you know, uh, I guess I brought up Royal Tenenbaums during that chat though. That's uh, last week, Did remember? Because we? Rich and yeah. I said we need to go back and rewatch it. Because I remember not liking. That's it, right. But, but I've heard nothing but good things since like a, the last decade. So I do need to go back. What you guys I didn't do was bring the up the, You didn't bring up the best Wes Anderson movie, which is Moonrise Rushmore? Kingdom. No, yeah. Moon, Moon, that's my favorite. I mean, Edward I. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I like I, I'm not a big Wes Anderson guy in general. Like, I'm I'm, I'm not, not a either. hater, but I, I I like Moonrise Kingdom, and I think you really have to catch a Wes Anderson movie in the right mood too. And I think I just the stars aligned when I watched that movie. I'm like, ah, I really enjoyed this, but I haven't gone back to it because I I don't know what I would think of it the second time. What is the right mood for a Wes Anderson movie? Like desperation, and you only have one available channel. <laughs> 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 what is what's the right the right move for uh maybe i'm being too harsh i don't know uh who wants to start on Sil- the life of silent night is about to get a higher grade from dean than life <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's just yeah it's artsy fartsy but whatever um yeah maybe somebody else can take the lead or who wants are, to are you going to give us a synopsis i mean are you oh yeah you know what? I, he's I, so I, mad at it he's Jesus so mad christ so, so pissed off at the submarine <laughs> Uh, yes. Oh, you know what? I just actually. Okay. Yeah. With a plan to exact revenge on a mythical shark that killed his partner, oceanographer 
Steve Zizu, Bill Murray, rallies a crew that includes his, his estranged wife, a journalist, and a man who may or may not be his son. Um, and also Noah Baumbach's a part of this. I love Noah Baumbach. Marriage Story, uh, several other movies. Uh, Kicking and Screaming, which is an old school movie that like nobody saw. Not the one with Will Ferrell, different one. But uh, I was like Mike Dicka was also in that. <laughs> My is that your best uh, favorite Mike Dicka movie? Um, well, right. <laughs> What's the other ones? I don't know. He's in the Super Bowl shuffle. I think it like, makes a little cameo appearance there or something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it's like a three minute video. You remember the Super Bowl shuffle? The video, of course, but yeah, yeah. that's not a movie. It's he was he was good in kicking and screaming. He he actually showed acting chops for that, but all he had to be was a coach, so it was pretty. Easy. The opposing all he had to be was himself. Played, uh, yeah. He got to play Mike He was really good at playing Mike Dicka. <laughs> he did not get a which script, is kind of like, like Bill Murray, to be honest. Bill Murray is just Bill Murray in this movie, but it, it worked out perfect for the role. Yeah, uh, well, take the lead here, John. As far as the Life Aquatic, I didn't hate it for the record. I just, you know, it's just. Uh, I'll let you go. Uh, were you into it? Do you dig it? Are you a Wes Anderson guy? I'm. I definitely do not consider myself a Wes Anderson guy. But uh, I think we almost we picked this one because I was on Asteroid City. I don't know how I started googling the algorithm for uh, best no best streaming movies in December is what I got to, and then Asteroid City was one that popped up because it just came on Amazon Prime, and that's what we were going to pick. But then we all chose the Life Aquatic instead, instead to revisit it. And I think it's goofy. I think it's good. It's enjoyable. There's nothing that's really going to like leave me with in time with it. But honestly, I enjoyed the watch. It's very colorful. I think the way they purposely, comically have the the gunfight scenes, the scenes of the ocean, I think are really cute. So I enjoyed it. How many times do you laugh out loud, give or take? Like over under two and a half? Over, for sure. Every okay. every time Bill Murray was just uh, unintentionally, or maybe intentionally, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not racist, but anytime he mentioned like the opposing sex, but he always did it in a vulgar and like uh, offensive way. Misogynist? I always yes, misog- Thank you, misogynist. I always laughed at that out loud. It was pretty funny. I thought Bill Murray's character in general was pretty funny. Plus some of the awkward quotes and scenes we have throughout where it's just someone screaming something random. I thought it was good. I laughed quite a bit. Rich? Yeah, there's a lot uh, I still like about this movie that I think is fun. Uh, I like a lot of ideas it talks about too. I like to think, I like to watch this movie from the lens of it's actually the the narration of him doing the documentary, right? I think it's why some of the stuff is so over the top. Literally why that pistol has 700 bullets. I don't know. Like how many <laughs> magazines have like, like I, I think that through that lens, it, it changes a lot. Like, you know, cause he's kind of like a, you know, shitty documentarian and like, you know, him telling that, like reliving that story. But I like movie, I'm a sucker for movies that like explore the idea of like family that's not your family. And I think you guys probably get that vibe. Like when I hang out with you in person, but like any movie that starts out with like that premise of like, just because people uh, you're not blood relatives, like you guys are a family and all these people come together. Uh, you know, everyone that's working on the, uh, you know, the, the crew of the ship and, you know, you start with the death and, you know, you have the one foe and then his real son comes in and like that, that like trying to explore that dynamic of finding the footing of, his not it's not like it is his blood but it's not his family but he has his family here and trying to see where how that fits in like, i love all that stuff man and i think that all that stuff is fun and whimsical and, and makes it's just i like i like a lot of that stuff this movie has a lot of weird like uh 
editing stuff though to it. But I think that's by design. And like what I said, I think it's if you watch it through the lens of like this is the, the, the this is the documentary is the movie. That's why it plays there. That's why it plays like that. And that's why it's kind of choppy. And some of the things it gets knocked for are the reasons structurally why they are is because it's Zisu making the movie. Yeah. You uh, Alex of... Smith's best season, by the way. I just took the time to Google <laughs> Alex Smith's his best season. Uh, 2007, he had 385 yards, 32 receptions on 53 targets with three, tu- uh, three touchdowns. So shout out to Alex Smith for Tampa. He also played for Cleveland. Cincinnati cup of coffee with Billy and Washington as right. rich pours his heart out about why he understands family. <laughs> you come in with the box scores of Alex Smith a decade ago. <laughs> we got a zig when the other, but I also like to, I like movies that like are, are, are like about the journey and not necessarily the destination. Right. Because like, that's the yeah. thing it's last like that movie. The movie's literally about the pursuit of something that is elusive, but the whole thing is the pursuit and the, what happens on, on that journey. Uh, not you like Little Miss Sunshine? It sounds like yeah, a, I yeah, like Little yeah, Miss Sunshine. I, I love yeah, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, I just just the way you're describing like that's the first movie that popped in my head. Yeah, uh, I will say got. this still like I, I liked it more than I remembered uh, enjoying it, but it's no fantastic, Mister Fox. Fair. Uh, I I enjoyed it. Like I was like okay with it. It was very middling for me up until and spoilers as we always do with this since you joined. And and I've seen this before, but the Owen Wilson death still caught me by surprise again because it's been so long since I've seen it. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that happens. And then I really think that developed the rest of the movie. Like, everything was leading up to that moment. Because yeah, the last 20 minutes of this movie are fire. Yeah, it was just really, really good. And, it, and it's almost like one of those things where not only is it the sense of, like, the found family thing that we're, we're talking about, but getting what you want and not actually working because the whole time bill murray steve Zizou is trying to get this like this he doesn't really want a relationship with owen wilson it feels like right like it feels forced a lot in the beginning but then you get the letter that he kept for all those years and then you get the death and he finally gets that that thing that he was looking for but the thing he was looking for ended up was the death of his like quote-unquote son and you see it at the end of the movie where he's not even watching the documentary with everybody else. He doesn't care anymore. Whereas like that was all he cared about in the beginning. So I, I think that it's, it's worth watching and then rewatching within like a year or two to really get the sense of that. And I kind of wish that's the way I did it before. And I, I really picked up on it more this time than I did last time. If yeah, any there's, of that a, makes sense. there's a, there's a shot after Owen Wilson dies, so they drop the casket and it just says Angelica Houston. Mm-hmm. And it's because she has the same thing happen in just like a five minute span. And that's good to me. Storytelling, good movie making is where he introduces Bill Murray introduces her to this idea of like, this is our son. And she doesn't, she likes the idea of having a son, but not forced on her. And then when he dies in the helicopter accident, you know, she's like, Oh, I lost that. And then that shot of her is like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it is just like all that in like five minutes. And that's just, that's just good storytelling, man. And that's where you don't have to smack anyone in the face with stuff. It's just, that's good. That's good game, man. Yeah, definitely a movie like you think about that gets better the more you think about it afterwards, which is always good. Yeah, I'm liking it a little bit more as you guys talk about it. It's it's moved up incrementally for me. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I'm like, yeah, that, that, yeah, that was that was a good scene. I remember that scene? I was like, yeah. and I do agree. It closed pretty strong. I'll give it that. But like, yeah, I was on, I was teetering on checking out, right? But like, it closed strong. So I think that's yeah. Wes Anderson's flavor, and not the you know. 
like go to bat for him. So I, I, there's a lot of stuff that I don't I don't love about his. We were talking about tenant bombs and stuff. It's like it, it, his like his move when you're watching him like as movies. There's almost like an awkwardness to him, right? And like mm-hmm. it stuff feels clumsy and like it, you know. And that's I think people just like it's it's like an awkward watch a lot of the stuff. That's what that's kind of where I was coming from. Is that you, you're not grading like even again the gunfight scene. It was purposely built <laughs> like that, right? Like. Purposely, the gun never ran out of bullets. Purposely, <laughs> Bill Murray had 13 people shooting at him and not one even come close, even though he wasn't hiding himself at all. It's just kind of goofy like that. It's purposely The giant snake for no particular reason was just there. I, enjoy, I enjoyed yeah. that. Like, oh, that was a nice touch. Like, why is there a giant snake? <laughs> just Great claymation in this movie, too. We don't get oh, enough claymation. I thought the, <laughs> the scale of the tiger shark to the submarine I thought was beautiful. I just thought all that kind of stuff was so childlike that it, it did bring joy more than anything. Yeah. So. I, I did Google, by the way, best found family movies. And I, I think this is the bar. I can't think of anything else. Uh, first thing that I, that's coming up, coming to me is uh boogie nights. Like that's, that's also like one of my favorite movies of all time, but that's like an amazing found family movie. Yes. If you want to hundred percent. Yeah. 100%, yeah. Found, uh, found family. I thought you meant yeah, family. Found family. Like, no, we're not watching family with boogie night. Like we're, we're hiding that. <laughs> We're hiding that from the children for sure. You're like, no, found footage. That's a whole different genre for Boogie yeah. Nights. So you can find that on a whole different website. I love Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Everybody gather around. Yeah, the opening scene is uh, the tracking shot is incredible. But uh, I don't want to get to derail a Paul Thomas. I don't want to derail a Paul Thomas uh, Anderson podcast. What else? Are you uh, almost and, Famous on there. Uh, Peter Butter. The Peter Butter Falcon is on there. I don't know if you saw I've that. Never that's watched that. That's a style of movie, movie, right? It's yeah, yeah. Don't let don't let that not watch. You know, don't let that discourage you. It's actually pretty good. It's it's a feel good movie. The peanut butter uh, peanut butter. Buff is good. I liked it. That would never discourage me. Oh well, is... some people you know the, some people uh, have reactions to, to certain players, uh, I suppose. But uh, I'm trying to think what what else is on the list. Yeah, chat's got Tokyo the Warriors. Man, I, I know. Warriors. I was just I was just gonna bring up that one in the chat. That's a great one, right? Ewe two K. The Warriors is. I, I love the Warriors. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. But. Yeah, I haven't what? seen it in a long time, but I definitely want to. Uh, side note, it's not found family, but I did also watch over the weekend All Quiet on the Western Front. And if you want to if you want to leave yourself down for the rest of the night, you should watch that thing go to bed because uh, it will depress you in a hurry. Is that it was just remade on Netflix, in the fact right? that you had electricity all weekend? Is that all that is? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> It was great. It was a beautiful movie, but goodness gracious, does that just get you down the rest of the day? Paddington also on the list, by the way. I know we talked about Paddington too. Listen, yeah, Pad- you got, I got to get in this tournament so we can watch Paddington too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought we were going to watch. It's about Fast changed. and the Furious. A Fast and the Furious, a found family movie. That's it a, is. That, yeah. it's all about found family. It's a found family saga. It's a saga. Yeah, it did not make the list, but that's a good call for sure. Uh, do we want to put a score or do, or do we want to play? Let's play the game. Let's play the IMDb game. Do you want a quick uh, fun fact about this movie? Yeah. All the fun facts. Uh, Bill Murray became a certified diver for this movie. So. Going all out. He's like, a, you ever read about him? Like he has like no agent and you never really know if he's like officially going to be in the movie or not until he like shows up. It's like, oh, I guess yeah. he, he is. Just, he just like shows up at people's weddings. He seems like an interesting dude. Yeah. He, he just like steals people's food on the side of the street and then he just yells in their face, No one's gonna believe you. Well, that's how the, the chive started the Bill Murray shirts. If you ever see people wearing them, because like he just goes and shows up at like random weddings, like he just shows up to you know parties and like just hangs out and like 
just crashes and leaves. It's Bill Murray. So he's also one of the great cameos. Uh, his cameo in Zombieland uh, in all time. Yes. Cameo. Oh yes. yeah. Ten people are allowed, and one of them is Bill Murray. Right? Yes. <laughs> so, so our local celebrity that does stuff like that around here is Steven Tyler. Oh, okay. nice. So my friend was. So we have this big Marshfield Fair. You can't hide if you're Steven Tyler. He he and he doesn't. So we're <laughs> at the Marshfield Fair, and we and David, my friend Dave, is eating his his cheese fries, and a hand reaches in and starts grabbing his fries. Dave's ready to turn around and fight this guy. He turns around and it's Steven Tyler taking French fries out of his little container. <laughs> and, and another time I had another friend in CVS and he walks in and he goes, oh, Steven Tyler just walked in. And Steven Tyler grabbed the phone. And I talked to Steven Tyler for like five minutes on the phone because he just said, oh, Steven Tyler walked in. It's What do you talk about for five minutes with Steven Tyler? Um, well, he was just asking me about drugs for a while. So <laughs> that's at least five minute conversation, you know, it, Steven just, Tyler, I would just screaming into the phone for a bit and then uh, <laughs> handed it back to my friend and we just hung up because it wasn't going to get better than that, which I assume most phone calls today are just about drugs. Like, because we're only talking about we've got to get these drugs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still talk on the phone. I'm old school like that, really? I suppose. But yeah, you know, uh, if you call me up some night. But yeah, uh, TJ in chat says. Matt Damon. Matt Damon is, is, is all his favorite cameos. He's notorious for like a, a Scotty doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, Jersey Girl. I think Thor. He's Thor. in. I want to say. Thor. Yeah. yeah. Thor. He's he, in. Also, I mean, he's not a cameo as himself, but I mean, when he pops up and uh, gosh, why is the why is the Interstellar? Deadpool. I didn't. I didn't, know he, I didn't know he was going to be in Interstellar, but it was yeah. It's it's amazing. Brad yeah. Pitt has it. the awesome cameo in Deadpool too, where yeah. he plays the. I can't remember if he's the vanishing man, I think is his name. Mm -hmm. um, and he's just invisible the whole time, but then he gets struck by lightning and you just get like a one second frame of Brad, Brad Pitt in the movie. Yeah. It's so good. Brad Pitt or Matt Damon? Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, all right. Let's uh, IMDb. Well, what, what's the number set, set, set the line here. Uh, oh, Rich. Uh, I'm Rich well, this Wilford. is a Wes Anderson movie, so it's definitely in the sevens. Uh, I'll say seven one, seven one. All right, what do you got to Rob? I'm gonna go seven seven. I think that this is gonna be one of the higher Wes Anderson movies. It's a big number. This is seven, a polarizing seven. Wes Anderson, though. John? It's still very colorful, Wes Anderson, though. And everything is centered, which annoys me. Uh, I will go over 7-1. Okay, that's not a number. <laughs> uh, I will go. <laughs> Just over. Any number higher. All of them. All the numbers higher. I go, I'll go 7-9. So I'll go over Rob, too. 7-2 is the answer. So, oh, yeah. Rich wins. Yeah. Pretty big number. Uh, and let's knock out Rotten Tomatoes. John, you go first, so you can't uh, pull any sort of shenanigans. <laughs> You're getting nothing to go over or under. Over. Uh, 83%. <laughs> critics and audience. Give me both. Oh, critic. Well, I still screwed it up. Uh, critics. I'll still go 83. Audience, 89. Mm. Uh, Rob? Probably should have been lower on the audience, honestly. Critics, I'm I'm gonna just take a stab in the dark because I've never seen a critic score for a Wes Anderson movie. I'm just gonna say that they, since they smell their own farts, they're gonna really like Wes Anderson movies. And I'm gonna say that it's a 96 percent for oh. critics, and I will give it a 81. You didn't say 81 percent, did you, John? 
I said 89 for right, I'll go 81 audience. for the audience. So lower, you're going lower. Yeah. Uh Rich. Uh, I believe that this is one of the least liked Wes Anderson movies. So I think you guys are overshooting the critics. I think critics are probably in like the 68, 69% range, maybe, maybe touching 70. And then audience in the 80s, I'll say 85, just a 80 clean 85. 227 critics, 57% from the critics. Oh, okay. Uh, 100,000 plus ratings from the audience, 82%. Somebody say 81. Somebody almost got there. I had Somebody 81 on that, but I was way off on critics. I wasn't even close. I think I remember, I remember because this movie obviously came out in like the height of like my movie going. So like, I remember when this came out, it was like looked forward to. And then I remember it kind of fall. I remember thinking it having like a flat like release. 2004. Mm. All right. Uh, Let's put a grade on it. Uh, Rob, you go first. I'll give it a three, six, 3.6 out of five. Uh, John. I will go. I'm trying to remember what I, my grade scale is based on American animals. So I will go <laughs> 7. 6. Out of 10. Out of 10. I think that's good. Okay. Nothing usually and touches an eight. You really liked it. That's a pretty strong number. Uh, what's American Animals? You, you didn't like American Animals, right? You're kind of indifferent to it. I think it was like six point nine. It was fair, but it was whatever. Um, Rich, you can't. You you, I got just got to make sure I keep it below the Mendoza line. If I don't like that, it, that, <laughs> you got a tight end, Rich. Yeah, uh, this one I think is 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 kind of wonky. Uh, could be edited a little bit more, but still is fun. So I give it a Chris Cooley. You, you you made Dago almost pass out with a Chris Cooley reference. <laughs> Chris Cooley's biggest season in 2007, 66 receptions, 786 yards, eight touchdowns. Chris Cooley he played was good. every every year he played for Washington, did not leave Washington. Yeah. He didn't uh, even have to look that up. That's just a screensaver. He just yeah. has Chris Cooley's stats ready. I was just ready for I still I had the pro football reference page up, so I'm like, let's just type it as he's saying it. Uh, yeah, I, I was. He did not let me know ahead of time. It's going to be Chris Cooley. Uh, I was just typing fast enough. I'll give it a, a C. It's kind of like these are both kind of C's to me. They're both sort of C's for yeah. different reasons. It's uh, still it's funny though that Life Aquatic gets the same grade as Silent Night to you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think Silent Night leads to a kind of an interesting conversation you can have only so long. But like, it, it's like you know, Silent Night. Not to go back to it, but it's like. We're, were, were they actually going to be, was was Russia like a real threat? Was it all sort of manipulation, right? You know, they're basically saying, like, the death was imminent. Uh, uh, and then they just sort of manipulated them and taken this That was middle. all icing for what they really wanted to say, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of those were real plot points. It was a metaphor, is what you're saying? <laughs> um, so I'm assigning a movie this week, is that correct? I believe so. Yes. Well, I thought Rich scored 362 points this week. Well, I... <laughs> I want to give Rich the win. I don't think Rich wants nope. the win. I, I don't want it. Nope. If Do you it. want the win, you can have the win. I don't. I don't I, want it. You want to earn it, unlike other yes. people. Oh, some people just want to hand it to him. I showed my lineup. I should be penalized or not. You know, I remember I was on. I remember Saturday as I was like running around. I was like, oh, I got to throw a lineup in the. And I just got to throw when he's in. I just never did it. I just did well, it. Well, it was my birthday weekend, so I'm taking that win. I don't care. Things. <laughs> so. 
Um, I was thinking about it. Give us a found I, family know, movie, dude. Pick six. Is a are we a found family? That's yeah, a found family we show. Are definitely a found family. Yes, but I don't know. Like, Boogie Nights, you've all seen it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I'll tell you the movie that I had in mind. Um, it was I, I was thinking of Noah Baumbach, and I saw Noah Baumbach just got married. He just got married to Greta Gerwig, and I think Greta Gerwig is spectacular. I like the stuff that she's done, and most famously, most recently, she did Barbie. And like mm -hmm. you know, I I feel it's it's on Max. It just hit Max. I, I love not the patriarchy. Yeah, um, and I, I love her in Greenberg, which is a, a movie like whatever. I, I think I feel like I mention that all the time. It's one of my favorite Ben Stiller movies that nobody's seen. She, you know, Lady Bird she did, which was spectacular. Um, but yeah, she just got married to Noah Baumbach, and Barbie made a billion dollars. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. I haven't seen it. I haven't. But, seen uh, it. I haven't seen it. It's probably a good, you know, I know some of y'all, uh, oh, TJ, you got a thought? I just record. This is, I have to, I'm going to have to kick Steve out next week and come back for a third week in a row because uh, I just finished recording like the best of 2023 podcast for Agents of Fandom where we had a bunch of different categories, broke down our favorites in each of the, each of the spots for 2023 and Barbie was my number one movie of the year. Well, you oh, just, wow. well, now you don't have to come on because you just told us your score. <laughs> I haven't rewatched it yet, though. I haven't seen it since the like since in the theater. So it would be my uh, I didn't give you a score. I just said it's the best one. Uh, but uh, I haven't seen it since theaters again. So I've been looking forward to a rewatch. Instead of tight ends, do you use like, you know, cornerbacks or like a middle linebackers. What's your scale? He seems to always want to play a Jets quarterback. So his he's his also from Canada. So it's some sort of metric Jets system. Quarterbacks. Thing. He, he mentioned Trevor Simeon earlier too. CFL quarterbacks. A Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Well, what Saskatchewan yeah. Rough Rider does uh, Barbie remind you of? <laughs> uh, Henry Burris. There you, there you go. go. <laughs> I can't even confirm. I have no idea. I don't know who that is. Uh, did, did the Rock play for Saskatchewan? He played for one of those uh, in the CFL. I think he played out west. Vancouver? He tried out for the Calgary Stampeders, and he did not make the team. Okay, um, but Henry right. Burris was a bear. I picked that's why I picked yes. him. I thought you guys might know who he was because he was a Chicago Bear receiver. He's a quarterback. 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 Yeah, yeah. Not ringing a bell, I guess. And nobody's seen Barbie. Nobody's seen it. Yeah, you guys I've, seen, for Barbie? I've seen it actually like five times. Oh, really? Well, is that going to be okay, or should we? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's or what? Uh, literally. So my wife's probably seen it like twelve times. It's like her, literally her favorite movie to come out in like years. Wow. Um, okay. And and, and as someone who is was a big fan of the patriarchy, uh, I support also. <laughs> All right. It's a super so, fun uh, movie. It's a super fun movie. I've heard it was good, and I and I think uh, I think Greta Gerwig is great, so I assume it's going to be good. And I'm going in with positive vibes. Um, and if, if you, you like Gosling, you are going to have a good time. Yeah, he's spectacular. He's really, really solid, obviously. But uh, that's it. Uh, that is the show. Let's tell the people where they can find us. Rob, uh, you know. Well, if you uh, if you want to watch me review the movie Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. <laughs> I do. Is that a sequel night. to this one? Um, no. It's just, so... I'm gonna give. I'm gonna take 30 seconds here. Silent Night, Deadly Night Two. We're reviewing. We didn't review Silent Night, Deadly Night One because the first 40 minutes of Silent Night, Deadly Night Two is just a montage of the first movie. Literally, oh. they just cut in all all of the stuff that happened in the first movie. It's not like even it. like a reshoot or anything. What a racket that is! Yeah, 40 minutes of the hour and a half movie is from the first movie. So much so in the credits, they had to put every single actor that worked on the first movie. 
that's how much of the movie they showed. So if you want to see me review that movie, I'm going to be doing that live Friday night <laughs> on the hometown. Where, where, where would I find review. that? Okay. So, oh, I'm sorry. I, I stepped on it. Go ahead. No, the hometown ghost stories review channel will be out live on there and uh, we'll be reviewing that movie. So last night we searched eBay and found all the cursed items for sale and actually bought one. So good yes. times. What's the going rate for a cursed item from Silent Night to like eight bucks? Or no, like legit cursed them? items. Like we, well, legit. Like not from a movie. We just looked for a cursed items. I love that. And legit. we bought, we bought <laughs> two cursed ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm interested. Send me the email link to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to outbid you on eBay. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm I'll call you and tell you the link since you used the phone. <laughs> John, uh, tell the people where they can find you. It's. Week 16, so I imagine you probably don't need a waiver wire call. My last one goes up at 44.com next week anyhow. And even then, there are games on Monday. I, I really don't know the schedule. I have no idea. Maybe I'll put it out Monday night, maybe Tuesday morning. We'll find out together uh, by that time. So until then, you can just find me on Twitter at Najee Daigle. It's week 16. You already know where I am. Rich, where can people uh, find you on Twitter and let you know that, like, that you've advanced all your best ball teams? uh yeah listen you find me at Reeves on twitter sharp up analysis so we're still writing these games up we've got three weeks the nfl in their big uh war on christmas is occurring this weekend i do want to wish everyone a happy holidays whatever you celebrate i hope everyone gets what they need this weekend mbs touchdown likewise i i echo those sentiments for uh producer rob for uh producer tj for uh, john for rich for alex smith for Steve Zuzu, I, did I butcher that last name? My apologies. Uh, for Wes Easy. Anderson, for the Calgary Stampeders. I would uh, wear the Zuzu shoes, by the way. <laughs> for the I was Dean. This was Rotor Grinders. Do appreciate y'all listening. Check back for week 17. This was the NFL Pick 6 Show. Week 16, go win something. Enjoy your holiday. We're out of here. Holler! <laughs>